0: Sony brings it at CES.
1: Gears of Effect?
0: Well, hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, is Chris, the Bruised Canoe Figs. So, Chris, this is what happens when you make me do this on the spot. I want you to know that. Uh Uh-huh. Okay,
1: I mean, it's like a what a yellow with black spots canoe or something like that, <laughs> like a banana, maybe maybe okay. it's like
0: an urban dictionary sex act,
1: I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be
0: surprised, okay, quick, quick aside, hold on, urban yeah, dictionary, I'm... bruised canoe, like I gotta know there's a movie there, there isn't one yet, so I'll tell you what guys, if you want to make history, you can go and create the urban dictionary. Uh, entry for bruised canoe and all i ask is that you include chris in the example sentence for the word (laughs) chris just ran a bruised canoe on a set of twins last (laughs) night (laughs) like i said do with that what you will i hope you enjoy it but this is a show about gaming sometimes sometimes it's not let's just be real uh and i am of course joined as i said by chris chris how are you i'm fine how are you brett I'm here. Uh, I guess first thing to get out of the way is for anyone who's not on social media, which I understand plenty of people aren't, you may have noticed that we didn't have an episode last week. I had a family emergency, as I have expounded upon. I'm a pretty open book when it comes to my life. Uh, So my stepfather passed away unexpectedly, and that led to a lot of stuff that had to be done and uh, just a lot of family uh, pain and time together that we needed. Uh, So I appreciate everyone who uh, gave kind words. And of course, everyone's just for their patience. Uh, I, You know, the part of me hopes that people missed having the show for their week, uh, just because I think that means that maybe we have a fairly decent podcast that you missed having around. Uh, But at the same time, I appreciate everyone just for realizing that this isn't everyday life. Uh, You know, the podcast is a fun thing. I'm glad we get to do, but um, that's okay. Moving on from that, Today you will find us talking about a couple of things. It's been this is the first episode of the new year because of the way that everything went down. So there's not a whole lot going on. News is still pretty scarce. We do have Sony showing up at CES and bringing with it a few things. We've got some juicy leaks uh, potentially regarding a uh, Sony shooter. Who knows what that is? But we'll talk about it here in a little bit uh, and a lot more. But we always start this show off in a very time-honored traditional way mm. slow steady and that's checking up on what we've been doing what we've been playing so chris you got two weeks of playing weeks. that you've got to catch everyone up on oh god that's a lot of let games these people me. know um i did start legends
1: of heroes trails from zero the game is really mm. good i like that a lot it's like i think it was a psp game if i'm not mistaken in japan uh, only a Le-
0: legend of heroes or whatever has been around for a while I don't completely know when it started, but the first time I ever took note of it was PSP. Yeah, so I
1: I believe it's that game brought up. Um, But it's really fun. I I really like the Legends of series, I guess, because it's you know I played Cold Steel, and now I'm I'm starting this one. I'm starting this one because this is, I guess, the first in the timeline, and it was on sale, so I was like, screw it. At least the first available easily to me in the timeline. Like, there's other. um, there's other ones that uh, I could play first. but
0: We have a, a newer Discord member, I think listener, uh, Una, who mm-hmm. is, um, she talked about playing all those. So yeah, are they, to be honest, I think it's, uh, I don't know. So we'll say they. <laughs> talked Tell about us playing on the
1: Discord, it. you're here, you're there. Yeah. <laughs> if you want, I guess.
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah, they talked about it and uh, it seemed like a, Seemed like they loved it. So I mean, I know there's a lot of love around that. Kiki also, long time listener, long time friend of the show, has talked about those games in the past. So I know they've got a cult following of sorts, yeah. kind of like the uh, East games. And I always say that, and I never feel like that's actually what they're called. But for I've played a number of them too. Yeah, but I always call them East. Those
1: Ys, just to be annoying, <laughs> as I know fans Maybe. of that game would be very upset if I called them the Ys games. Um, but yeah, no, I really like that series. You know, the first one has the persona vibes with big war going on, and I don't know. I'm I'm very interested to get through the series, so I have a bunch to go. But then I have also played a tiny indie game, I think called Let's Build a Zoo. Um, it's not good, but it's taking a lot (laughs) of my time. Yeah, it's very complicated. Like it's one of those like roller coaster tycoon where you can get really in depth of the systems if you want, and I think games like this need to be like you can optimize your zookeepers to make uh to make it a little cheaper for you or you can just hire 50 of them and it'll work. And in this game you're it feels like you're forced to optimize or they just won't do their job and it's super frustrating. Um and I'm noticing a lot of weird stuff with that. Like I'll have like a lot of the animal happiness is super weird. And it's like, this cage has to be big enough. But you put two jackrabbits in there, and I'm sure you've heard the saying about jackrabbits. So they just breed constantly. And then you have to keep making it bigger. And I'm like, I don't give a shit about rabbits, dog. I got lions over here. And it's just getting it's getting to be a lot. It's getting to be a lot.
0: So my thing on games like that is that, like, I love Roller Coaster Tycoon 1 and 2. I think mm-hmm. 2 may be one of the best games of all time. Fantastic. And there's this part of me that in my head wants to say, like, I can't think of another type of sim game like that, like a park sim, Mm -hmm. um, where I feel like it's captured that magic. But at the same time, I'd be lying if I acted like I've really tried a lot of them. I think some of that magic seemed to somehow leave... With the transition into full 3D graphics. And I don't know why, but none of them feel as goofy and charming as Roller Coaster Tycoon 2 did, or even the first game, in part because they have much more robust graphics. There's something about the kind of shitty would, graphics yeah. of Roller Coaster Tycoon that feels. I, I would like uh, to be clear. Like home. <laughs> it's not,
1: yeah, I do understand what you mean. This is not like a you know like the xbox 1 launch game zoo tycoon it doesn't look like yeah. that it's literally like i don't know if eight bit is the right word but that kind of aesthetic it's it's like it looks it's <laughs> yeah, a little uglier version of uh stardew valley uh, yeah. I, I don't know for me it's just the game is too complicated like i don't not, complicated is the wrong word because it's easy stuff like, you just assign zones and the, your guys go there. But at a certain point, you have, you know, 20 people that you need to assign zones to, and you're very, it doesn't organize them properly at all. So it's weird. But I say all this and I played it probably for 15 hours this week. So, well, see, like, that's
0: the thing about that type of game. Like, I feel like every time I get on a random spiel of, like, I'm going to play the hell out of roller coaster tycoon 2 it's all i've done 40 hours later and i'm like well uh, yeah what happened why did (laughs) i do this (laughs) one of my questions like one of the things i always loved about roller coaster tycoon 2 whether it was even true or not is that in my memory and even Mm -hmm. every time i go to play it i don't feel like that gets tarnished is i feel like somehow roller coaster tycoon 2 allows you to essentially do everything yeah like you can just interact with things in ways that you wouldn't expect by more modern games, where they try and uh, hold your hand a bit more. Mm-hmm. Like I was listening; it's just a, it's interesting because it's kind of tying up with this. I don't know the channel; I'm gonna look it up because I want to give a shout out to him. I've been in a weird mood, and I've been not in front of a console uh, a lot the past week, so I have played some games, but not a ton. Um, I've been listening to a couple of random videos and stuff on YouTube. So it's Mister I X R T or M I M R I X R T. Anyway, he's a YouTuber, and he has a video about um, Thief. Seven years later, mm. and uh, I don't know if y'all know about Thief, the idos Montreal uh, PS4 launch window reboot of the Thief series. And I had only ever played a very small bit of Thief Two. And then I played Thief, and I didn't, I don't remember hating that game. I thought it was all right, not great, not bad. Uh, And he was talking about how a lot of people hated it. But in the video, he was bringing up about how a lot of the decisions in the game that were not really great to line up with the thief ideology that kind of made certain people mad was this idea of everything in the game being, every sense of freedom being cut off so that the developers can make sure that you couldn't see anything out of order. Mm -hmm. And that they wanted to create such an immersion by having you see and whatever, all these different things. But they come together and by trying to do that, they actually make the game less immersive because they take away your ability to decide. Mm -hmm. Um, And... In a weird way, that's kind of what I'm talking about with Roller Coaster Tycoon 2, where I feel like a lot of modern sim games to some degree are going to try and force certain things that they think would be fun because of years of these being a type of game. But games like Roller Coaster Tycoon 2 and the first one and even Thief uh, for the stealth genre had the benefit of not having – since they were more pioneers in their genres to some degree – They didn't have years of knowing things that people liked, so they couldn't try and force your hand into something. Instead, it was more like a play set of rules that pretty much everything would work within, and they could just go as far as your imagination could stretch them to a degree. Um, So part of me, like, you know, my brain of thinking about this more immersive sim style thing where you can kind of do whatever. Like, If you're breeding jackrabbits like crazy, can you just do crazy stuff like, take your excess rabbit population and feed them to your other animals at the cost of your visitors being like, holy shit, this is wild. And I'm not <laughs> sure, but the,
1: wi- the wildest. Th- what is the wildest feature of a of zoo-building
0: of zoo game you could think of? I guess being able to let different animals be in the same pen. Well, you can do that.
1: But no, this game <laughs> has a choice-based morality system.
0: so you mean one that you would never expect correct
1: yeah Yeah. (laughs) okay like there's one part where you're like oh do do you want to dress up this dog as a lion and then you get evil points if you say yes or good points if you say no but then later on in the game i guess spoilers for let's build a zoo but <laughs> there's a there's one that pops up and goes someone died in your park do you want to turn a blind eye or <laughs> report it to the police <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay i give it credit that's pretty funny
1: it's pretty really great but
0: at the same time how often are those things hitting because you know one of the things i love about roller coaster tycoon 2 is that feeling of i'm gonna look down at like every single i'm just gonna randomly run around and pick up a different uh or hover over and see yeah. what different uh visitors are doing And, you know, it's I was a kid, too, but I've done it every time since. But is that just because it's the nostalgia for me? But, you know, like if a person's not happy, I don't know if you've ever done the thing where they're like, I can't find a bathroom. So you pick them up and purposely move them closer to a bathroom where you try to fix the situation. But then they just keep not walking to the bathroom (laughs) and they keep getting more upset. And so. Your park rating is going down, even though mm-hmm. you're trying to fix the problem. And I normally, I get to a point where I'm like, if my park rating is going down anyway, then fuck it. I'm going to have some fun. And I'll pick them up and throw them in the water. And right before <laughs> they drown, pick them back up.
1: Yeah, and put them back in the water. <laughs> I used to do that shit. Or you make the screen the one that goes up and then falls down. You know which one I'm talking about? You oh, just yeah. make that slightly too short. And then they, they fly up and then explode. And then people don't stop coming to the park; they just
0: continue showing up. <laughs> What's crazy is that roller coaster tycoon 2, If you want to play it legit and try to win, is actually a really fucking hard game. I've never beaten a, a single campaign in that game. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know that I know anyone who has. I'm no. sure someone. Who, I'm sure people have, but it's not common uh I, but that's also kind of the amazing part of it yeah that'll be a Nartech youtube thing
1: of me and you trying to beat roller coaster tycoon levels on stream dude
0: that would if that could be like a weekly stream that would be fun that, <laughs> that would, be, would fun. be fun those type of games are really interesting did you ever play and this is like, it's a it's technically it's an offshoot it's not like a park um a theme park uh mm. sim but there was a game that was like game dev sim Yes, game I dev did play story that on phone i think yeah. is what it was called super fun yeah, great game great game
1: yeah this one i don't know i don't not recommend it because it's cool but it's also like there's a lot of things where i'm like this is not well made um but i do honestly really love the choice and consequence stuff that's in this <laughs> game because it's so dumb because it, it affects you though like if you're not if you're not good, you can't make a water tower. But if you're evil, you can take your pigs, your pigs, and turn them into bacon and make more money. Like, <laughs> like you can turn your I horses think, into belts and stuff like that.
0: At that point, you kind of have to ask yourself: Does the game even really need to be super well made? As long as it has enough quirks that you can't find in many games yes and no
1: right because this i like this stuff but the the stuff that i'm harping on and complaining about like the zookeepers or the water being super weird is that a animal evaluator will come in and check every week or every month i think and they'll yeah. check your animals check their stats and you'll get a grade so if you fail that you lose money which then means the stuff that you're doing is harder you know Mm-hmm. And maybe that's mitigated so, an evil playthrough. You're like, fuck! I'm not going to take care of my guests or my animals. I'm just going to turn this into a factory farm. Um, I guess I get that's what you're true. saying,
0: though. At least in so far as you are currently, you've right. not found the line in which your good or bad decisions are positively or negatively impact, or I guess in a weird way, positively impacting your gameplay experience mm-hmm. uh, by offsetting and, you know the fun value of those. And maybe the secondary value of how they can skirt around the challenge is not overcoming some of the issues you have with just the base normal challenge. None of the quirky things, just what it's like to generally run a park.
1: Yeah, it's just stuff that is, uh, you know, even this, though, like I've been trying to get a water park for forever. And because I'm playing not evil, those decisions come less often than evil ones. So it's harder to build up there. Like every day, I get a pop up. It's like, do you want to buy a dead lion carcass that has a robo robot in it? Like I get that every day. I could do that, make animatronic lions, but that's an evil act. Like I don't know what that. I don't know, but
0: what I think is funny is why is it evil? Is it evil because you're pretending it's a real lion?
1: Yeah, I think because you're duping customers.
0: See, I would love the ability to be like, I'm pivoting. I'm going to like a like a Chuck E. Cheese zoo <laughs> where you come in, but it's all animatronics. Actually, that sounds wonderful. I would totally in real life visit a zoo where it was nothing but animal carcasses that have had animatronics put inside of them so that it looks like a lion, but it has that fucked up, uncanny look where you're like, <laughs> it's ever so slightly scary because yeah. you're – you're even more concerned that it may turn on you than a real lion.
1: Right. I mean, the thing is for right now I've been going for the good playthrough, so I haven't seen like what that looks like, you know? Yeah. But it's also weird because you'd think, you know, because there's gene splicing in this game. Oh yes. So okay. I have a duck capybara that's called a duckybara. Yeah. And it's great. Yeah. And I have a a horse snake. Like it's weird. But you'd think that would be evil, no? Like genetic cloning of animals—that's gotta be evil,
0: evil. right? But so, but the game does not. uh, That's P.T. uh, Barnum stuff, you know? Yeah,
1: you know, (laughs) uh, it's it's an odd game. I cautiously recommend it. Is this on PlayStation? Yeah, I'm playing on PlayStation, so you can play it.
0: Oh, dude, I think you may have my next game lined out. <laughs> this, sounds, <laughs> this sounds great. It's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. I think All you'll right. like it. All but
1: right. it's also All not right. good. But I've played it like 20 hours. I don't know what that means.
0: <laughs> Take that well, for what you will. <laughs> Rude Cold has been talking about, which it's not that bad, right? But it's the same basic sentiment where he's basically been updating me per or everybody in the Discord. Hmm. Per island in Sonic Frontiers, and almost every time he gives an update, like right now, the one today is I'm on the final island of Sonic Frontiers, will be kind of sad when I complete it. Been really good fun, even with the jank and somewhat fiddly gameplay at times. Yeah. And every update has been like, this game is janky and kind of shit, but also I can't explain it. I love it. And that's honestly, if anything, that's exactly how I could describe the game. You have to I think you have to go into a certain sect of games like that. Like
1: One Piece Odyssey comes out next week, and I'm going to play the shit out of that game. I'm positive it's (laughs) going to suck. I'm positive it's going to suck. That's why I didn't pick it in
0: the draft. But it looks like it could be really good. This comes into a super weird conversation of really balancing the fact that there are bad games that do really well because they're only objectively bad. Like When you play them, you're like, the graphics are shit, the sound Mm -hmm. design is shit, the story is shit but somehow they come together in such a way that the experience of playing the game yeah. completely supersedes the objectively bad aspects of well, it. Well
1: exactly. You know before we started recording um, I was playing Naughty Bear and Naughty Bear's bad. Oh, dude. It is. Bear but it's is so bad, good. But it's so fun. Like there is like I I think I started cackling. I don't know if you heard me. But because you do this thing where I picked up a gun and then you pull off the kill, and it's just a full on mafia execution. It's the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. But the game sucks. But I can't wait. I can't. I love playing it. I'm going to play more
0: later. Like, I'm so excited, but it's not good. Yeah, Chris, I, I want to go ahead and tell you you offering to buy me Naughty Bear <laughs> to help you plat the game yeah. isn't even a problem because I just wanted Naughty Bear anyway. <laughs> so i'm like yeah sure i'll yeah you buy it i'll help you and in the back of my mind i'm like yeah.
1: what i should have said was hey any chance you'd be down to buy naughty
0: bear first 100 percent. but you've already locked in so oh, I, already, I already bought it so it's i fine. appreciate it man i want that platinum uh for the pla-
1: especially for the platinum competition which we haven't talked about since i've been going on about a twenty dollar game uh it's worth like six thousand points so i'm like hell fucking yeah i'm gonna get this one
0: (laughs) yeah you said my naughty bear right naughty bear yeah yeah i wonder what let's uh, let's make a zoo or whatever let's Let's, build a zoo i wonder what it's i'll find out while you talk about
1: what you've been playing i've also been playing midnight Suns, but i've always been playing midnight Suns. anyway you never you never stopped no i honestly did not are you going for plat Oh, I have plat lined up. I need one more trophy. That's just oh, making man. different dialogue decisions.
0: <laughs> I'm proud of you. <laughs> uh, you. My week, of course, with everything going on, I haven't done a whole lot. I've done. Uh, I did beat Nobody Saves the World, just to realize that the platinum requires a new game plus um, run through of the game. But if it's new game plus, that means that all of my forms. I have one form left to go. Um, to get to rank s and then i'll have that trophy and the yeah. only reason i haven't done it is because i was like well for the trophy competition i'll save this up and kind of have this ready to go <laughs> yeah and here i am and i know we keep skirting around it we'll talk about it in full but here i am not a single platinum and some of these people are like third one since the competition started two days ago and i'm like <laughs> uh anyway i've been doing that and then uh, after i beat that i've Gonna give it a break for a little bit before I go back to it, if nothing else. But uh, Need for Speed Unbound still great, Ooh. still having a good time with it. Mm. Um, was recently asked by one of our listeners whether or not I suggested it, uh, I recommended it rather, and uh, at full price nonetheless. And I do. I think if you like arcade games and you know your, the type of arcade games that you like, as long as the cultural wrappings of the game don't immediately like you know give you friction, like maybe you're an older person and you don't really connect with that side and it's going to be too hard of something for you to look over, then maybe it's not worth it. But if you go into it knowing that it's like a mid-20s cultural uh, culture game, um, like I've talked about on the show already to a degree and very hip-hop influenced uh, soundtrack, whereas a lot of other Need for Speed games have always had at least a little bit of rock or metal to kind of balance them out. Um, this one doesn't have that, but it feels right for the game that they presented. Like The presentation for this game works with all of the other wrappings that they chose. And so it's not something that has a disconnect uh, past that. I think if you do like um arcadey games, this game has a ton of customization, sometimes hidden behind parts, um, that allow you to really control how the car feels and what way it's arcadey. Do you want arcadey but still really grippy, or do you want arcadey that's super loose and very drift-heavy? Do you want somewhere in the middle? And you really have a lot of fine-tune ability to control that. Also true of Forza Horizon to a degree. So good game. I, am, uh, I also held off on it partially because I had other stuff going on, but I was like, I'll get back to it later because the competition will have started and I can
1: keep Smart. going. I'll play it at some point. I would like to.
0: Yeah. I did technically play... I took my Switch with me when we went out of town this past weekend um, to visit some family. And I tried playing Pokemon for like 30 minutes. And coming back to that game, I don't know. I won't say it's lost to me, but I just couldn't bring myself to care. Then again, there's other... Aspects going on in my life right now. Uh, partially tired from driving, tired because of the situation going on, seeing family and not wanting to be distracted by that. So there's a lot of elements that came together that I'm not going to judge Pokemon for. Yeah. That's okay. That's fair. <laughs> uh, let,
1: let's Build the Zoo is worth f- almost 4,000 points with the DLC. Uh, that's not bad. And I, I would like to point out because we've had this conversation on the show, I didn't want to interrupt you when you were talking about your games. Uh, Midnight Suns, no guide. Did it all by myself
0: dude look, look look me in my digital eyes right now all right look i'm looking dead into yep. the camera since i'm looking dead I'm i am dead proud, into the camera. I'm proud of you
1: oh my god thanks dad i mean brett
0: <laughs> if it makes you feel better everything i have done so far on nobody saves the world also without a god
1: hell yeah brother we're i don't it.
0: think i'll need a god partially because of the type of uh the type of trophy list mm-hmm. that it is The only one I think I might look for tips on because I've been trying to get it naturally myself is there's a trophy for um, every, I guess, guild that is in the game. Um, And one of them is the Warriors Guild. And I cannot finish it up because there's a range uh, challenge that you've got to do that I keep at the very end missing. You have to hit all targets. And I keep missing one. And the moment you miss one, it ends the thing. You There is no – because you can't miss any. And I've tried and tried and tried. And I keep getting a little bit further. But I just kind of gave up and went ahead and beat the game. So I'm going to go back to it. I don't know mm-hmm. if it was just frustration or because I was trying to do it in between all the stuff. And I was like, this is probably not a good time for this. But it is a pretty difficult trophy. So that might be the one where if I keep trying and it eventually becomes <laughs> the only thing keeping me – from platinum i may look up from some tips on how to do yeah, it yeah that's fair because there's so many build combinations in that game that you occasionally overlook something that once you do like once somebody would say something or once you do land on it, you're like how did i not think of this forever ago
1: yeah well, um, it's okay The that you know the thing is with midnight Suns, uh i looked up guides because there was a couple things with the regents which are like um crops, basically. Not crops, but like mushrooms and shit around the map. And uh, there's no guides for it, so I just had to figure that shit out.
0: (laughs) Well, that's the thing about doing games early, right? Definitely dense games like that. Yeah. There's not always going to be any guide or definitely not complete guides, you know? Exactly. Yeah, That's cool. Do you want to talk a little bit about the trophy competition since you've really spearheaded it? Yeah.
1: So... Um, right now, initial sign-ups closed on the 8th, um, so everyone's signed up. I think we've got 11 people in there right now. Um, I think what we talked about when I put in the rules is that you can still sign up if you'd really want to, but you'd be at a disadvantage as your score would go in basically when I get to it. Um, so your decision. Right now, you're probably not hit too much, but you know, in June might not be the best choice. Um, yeah, we're just doing it on True Trophy Score. Um, and then we do, we'll do we do stuff like, hey, monthly bonus games, which I did this month. Let me just pull it up so I get it right. Um, monthly game vote. So actually, I can announce the winner now since the tie has been broken. But <laughs> I had put Jedi Fallen Order, Axiom Verge 2, Fallout 76, Pers- Dead Space Remake, Persona 4, and Persona 3. Um, and that, I did that basically, you know, I put the PS plus games in there cause that's accessible to everyone. And then I tried to find new releases. So I know there was some talk of like, Oh, it's, uh, it, it won't count if I vote for fallen order and yeah, no, it won't. And I think that's just like if fallen order wins because, um, it's the PS plus game and more people who are participating have access, then, you know, that's just the way the cookie crumbles is breast's got 132 platinums. I have a lot. So, we'll all end up at a disadvantage at some point. And in the end, only one person gets the points. So
0: there's that. Brett? I wanted to double, because I wanted to kind of clarify that. Whenever you're talking about the bonus game, is it just the first person to platinum it and that's it? That's. I thought that made it fun. It was like a race to see who platinumed it first. That's cool. I don't mind. I just I realized it, and I was like, so if I get, because one thing that to clarify is that it is based off of your total true trophy score. So this isn't strictly platinum. Some people go into this and think, well, I've got to get platinums. If you just play mm-hmm. a crap ton of games, definitely yeah. niche games that have less people getting the trophies, yep. and even if you don't get the platinum, you get some of the more rare trophies, you have a high chance of your score still being quite high. Um yeah, you do. Um, with zero Platinums. Um, so it's not necessarily that. It's also just fun. I mean, you know, we're going to have little prizes and stuff we give out. We're going to make up. I, I, some of it I have to actually lock out to make sure I can get it done. But I have ideas for fun things that the people are going to win as well as a $50 PSN card. Ooh. So... With that in mind, I just wanted to kind of understand cuz at first I was thinking, well, is the bonus game going to be that anyone who plays it and gets trophies or the plaque gets that mm-hmm. extra 1000 or what? Because it, it was just curiosity. So it's it's good yeah. to know.
1: I mean, it's something like, you know, I I made a
0: joke. It was this is the
1: beta test, right? Like we're sure. we're just seeing what happens this year and maybe next year we're like, hey, finish it by the end of the month. But either way, this year it's The first person who wins get the bonus points. And now that I'm looking at it, I can announce that the winner is Dead Space Remake. So the first person who Platinum's Dead Space Remake will get whatever the total points is for the Platinum Trophy and the the 1,000 points. So Yeah.
0: And a 1,000 points is nothing to scoff at. No, that's a whole jumping taco. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) But one of the things, it's funny because you were talking about how trophies build your score. We talked about before the competition, and I did this with a couple games, of, oh, we have a bunch in, in locked up, ready to go, right? It's not a good strategy. That's actually a bad strategy because yeah. I platinumed Pinball Heroes, and I only needed two trophies. Yep. So the, the true trophy score for the whole game is 1,500, but the, true tr- the two trophies that I, I earned, I only got um, 398 points for it because yep. that's all that counted in the in
0: the in the That's why I actually stopped doing anything in certain games. So I'm like I could just wait and get the trophies <laughs> win the which is not great either cuz you know I mean we were talking about this being for fun. So it's yeah. not like we're trying to be it, it's how much fun do you have in finding your own sense of natural competitiveness mm-hmm. and how how far you want to push it and part of it I like how some of the people have talked about it. it's just to be part of conversations around games that right. you know talk about your trophies and stuff. It's a fun community thing so uh like chris said feel free to join at any point even right. if it's just because you want to be part of the part of the moment and give feedback and everything exactly and that that part of the discord which i i set up
1: you know it's it's i envision trophy talk as more like oh here's your platinum 132 midnight suns you know what i mean i envision it as that but you know it might benefit people like kiki who don't or and people who don't participate in trophies because i know he had mentioned something when we were talking about it that'll probably move towards there so we can have those conversations and that's not a locked channel
0: trophy talk is anything it's it's hey i'm having problems with this trophy any tips exactly hey, anybody want to help me with this trophy right and that's what i love is that chris like you know we were talking about naughty bear but it's like to some degree i'm helping you while i'm helping myself or i can even help you without helping myself at all because we're homies exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know Pay so, you $20 to play to to get the platinum. So essentially, yeah. You just give me a <laughs> game that I wish I'd never traded in to begin with. Exactly.
1: Know? But I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun and, I want to win just so that I win. So we'll talk
0: about it occasionally throughout the show, but don't worry about it being a huge thing that we talk about all the time. We know not everybody's trophy hunters. This was just something fun for the people of you who wanted to dabble in it, uh, wanted to see, or are already trophy hunters and wanted to just have a little fun with everybody. So with that in mind, we have a great question to start the show off with. With this being the first episode of the year, the new year tends to come with resolutions. So... Velvet Thunder, one of our patrons, asks, What New Year's resolution do you think game characters should have made? For example, Kratos making a resolution to meditate or Abby taking golf lessons?
1: Mm. Okay. Okay. Uh, why don't you go first? Give me a sec.
0: Um, I've got one. Okay. I think that uh, Jacob, if I'm remembering his name correctly, from the Callisto Protocol. Uh-huh. I think he needs to make a resolution to no longer open any boxes, any, um, what do they call it, lockers, anything like that, uh, so that he can stop getting random health drains to pop up and hit him.
1: <laughs> okay. So you think Jacob survived long enough to make a resolution?
0: That's true. I also think he made a resolution that he wants to circumcise his son if he ever has one because of those weird foreskin monsters that fling out and, and bite him in the neck. I think he decided. Oh, well, all right. He didn't you know, he didn't want to hide the head anymore. Yeah. He didn't want to- <laughs> That's
1: something you said.
0: <laughs> That's something I said, yes. Oh, <laughs> that actually God. came from me watching um somebody else was talking about it. this was like last week somebody mentioned something they were like the little ball sack thing and i'm like it kind of does look like a ball sack and then i was like actually it kind of just looks like a hole. like it's the ball sack it jumps out it's a dick i mean it's you know it's easy to get there 100 real easy so it's it's not like slow hanging fruit it's <clears throat> just like balls of boy <laughs> Ooh, this is a hard one
1: my new year's resolution for a video game character would be for, I guess mine would require a little bit of time travel, but mine would have been for Carl Johnson and his brother Sweet to go to therapy. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I think that solves a lot of issues,
0: especially when Sweet gets real annoying after you get him out of jail for no reason. I got one more. Aloy is going to make a resolution to talk to herself less often.
1: That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Faye I from like Forspoken as well. Yeah, well, she's talking to her wrist. At least she's talking to something. That's true. She's actually having a conversation.
0: There is truly a dialogue. <laughs>
1: right. right, 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 right. Instead
0: right, of a right. monologue. <laughs>
1: yeah. I like that a lot.
0: All right, that's a fun question. I I like really, that. it's funny because I, I, whenever I was formatting the, the show real quick before we started, I put it in there. But I really was like, "What? What's a good one?" I don't even know. So this is a hard question to get thrown on at you. So, there you are. All right, let's see. Uh, we have the community stake. If you are unfamiliar with The Community's Take, it is where at the end of the episode, we come up with a question that we ask you guys in the community, and we get y'all's answers to kind of get a feel for either things going on in the news or just general questions to give you a chance to communicate with each other, letting everyone else hear anything that you have to say. Push back against us if it's something that you disagree with us on uh, or whatever it may be. You can be part of the community stake by going over to Twitter at TriangleSQRD and following us so that you can see when we post that. You just respond to the tweet that prompts you uh, and we'll... Give you a chance to read it off on the show. We only select a couple just so we can keep the show moving along. Uh, but you never know. If we like yours, we'll throw it in there. Uh, you can also go to Facebook. We have a group called Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. If you ask to be entered into that, we'll gladly let you in, as we've noticed a few of you recently have. Chris, I think, is hot on the button to accept them before I am sometimes. Or it might be Josh Hsu, because he's also an admin. So you guys are quick. I keep trying to approve people. It's already (laughs) done for me. And lastly, you can head over to our discord, which is always linked in the description, whether you're watching this on YouTube or listening on podcast services. Um, Go there. We have a dedicated channel for it where we'll ask you and you have a chance to reply. Uh, with that in mind, this week's or technically the one from two weeks ago was with Neil Druckmann's recent comment about Naughty Dog's next game being, quote, structured more like a TV show, end quote, as well as working with a writer's room, along with his clarification that it just means a more collaborative process. What are your thoughts on this? Do you think a more collaborative process could lead to better games from the studio or... Are you worried? It may interfere with the products you've come to love, or are you indifferent? Anything between. Why? So we had Savoy Prime, one of our patrons, and one of our newer patrons. He says, personally, I'm hoping it will improve their games going forward. In my opinion, Not A Dog ain't been the same since Amy Hennig has been gone. So maybe having a collaborative effort will help the current state of the studio, because I'm honestly tired of Neil. This goes kind of to what Chris and I were saying last episode, I think, where the benefits and the negatives kind of go into different people, take them in different ways, because there will undoubtedly be people like the follow up here who love what Neil's done and love the games that Neil has been uh, one of the creative minds behind, whereas some people are going to feel like Neil may be part of the reason that they're love or affinity towards the studio may have declined in recent years. Uh, Chris, what do you think about that?
1: I, I think I, I, don't, I don't have too much of a problem with Neil um, because I've said on this show and I believe that the gaming industry could use more auteurs and I'm not going to be mad at the auteur.
0: That's a fair point. Yeah, like, you know, when you ask for auteurs and the, what comes with them, you will undoubtedly have people yeah. that are filling that role that may jive with you sometimes and may not other times. Uh, my go-to example for that is I love Kojima, but I could not find myself or I could not make myself find a reason to enjoy uh, Metal Gear Solid Five. Oh, I love that game. Like, I, I, I tried, and it really wasn't for a lack of anything other than, like, It's not scratching the itch for me. It doesn't feel like the Metal Gear game that I was anticipating and all the stuff that comes with that. But it does mean eventually uh, even people that you think you love, you may butt heads with. Yeah. So just like I know there's a lot of people who love Kojima or who really like Kojima's previous games who just didn't click with Death Stranding. Crazy people. Yeah. You never know when it's going to hit you, but it happens eventually.
1: It's usually when you're going over the snow mountain.
0: Yeah, two uh Savoy props, that's actually a good point. That game gets really challenging from there on. When, like that, mu- uh, when that
1: music hits in that section, it's the orgasmic that's the best feeling in games i've ever had
0: (laughs) well to be the flip side to savoy prime's more negative opinions on the current state of naughty dog we have velvet thunder another patron he says to me the last of a series is the greatest one-two punch in the history of video games so i'm down for whatever they want to do next drugman could announce a game where the sole premise was slapping my mother and i'd buy it day one velvet i have to ask you what do you think the, the the themes and story tone would be for to a game about slapping your mother? Get back to me on that. I just uh, oh, I have one. Go for it. The
1: game starts with you slapping the ever loving shit out of your mother, right? And then. She kicks you out of the house. Actually, she doesn't kick you out. You leave because you hate your mother for some reason. And this (laughs) is what the game explores, except we play as the mother who goes on a murder revenge quest to find her son so she can slap him back.
0: But then at the end, right before she slaps him back, with everything that she's went through,
1: she, chooses she learns not a to. lesson,
0: and she chooses not to. See, I think, I like that ending. <laughs> that
1: would be very on brand. But I think the true ending for this is that it pops up like a Mortal Kombat pick your fighter screen. And you have to choose who you want to win this battle, the son or the mother. And then you have to do a fighting game sequence against them. And that's, that's how the game ends. With, with whoever you choose.
0: You're brushing really close to one of the few things that I actually think The Last of Us 2 could have done better. Mm. <laughs> or just at least you could have choose. done that I would have liked more. But uh, without getting too much into any spoiler territory, um, I would like that. Though I think you would have to, to set that up in any way where it would be a real decision that would be difficult, I think you'd have to have more time with the son. Like I, I don't think the game could just start with you playing as a son, smacking the shit out of your mom, and then immediately playing as the mother. For the rest of the game, And then being like, choose which one you want to win right at the end. Like, who do you want to be?
1: So are you saying halfway through the game, you start playing as the son and you go through and see all the friends he made on his escape
0: that his mother has murdered? (laughs) (laughs) See, maybe what you do Uh is you interweave kind of like a Detroit Become Human experience. to where you spend so much time with one character and then it kind of goes over to this other one and you see and it weaves in and out and at first you're like all for the son and you're like hell yeah the son's right he <clears throat> the shit out of his mom because the game immediately presents her as somebody not good because you're viewing the world in the game through mm-hmm. his perspective right his perception and then it comes over to the mom and you're like fuck the mom she deserved it but then as the game keeps going on you're like damn the mom's kind of cool and she was just trying to teach a lesson the son's kind of a piece of shit but then it Pulls the old one too, and you're like, maybe the mom is a piece of shit, and maybe the son's a good guy. And then you get to this end, and you have to really make a moral choice as to who you feel like is in the right. That the more we talk about this absolutely bullshit idea, it kind of sounds fun.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't hate game. it. I think my my last pitch would be that you realize through dialogue that mm. the mother might be a little abusive. Right. Mm. So the end of the game gives you the choice of the son of the mother because maybe you've taken the things she's done as motherly and you love her, so you decide to pick her. Or you take the things she's done and said to characters as signs of abuse and you pick the son. But then as you win, a flashback happens for either character of all the things that has happened in their lives. That gave them a negative impression, but with, like, what was actually happening, right? So the mom takes the candy bar, but it's revealed that under the bed, the kid had, like, 50 candy bars he'd already eaten, you know?
0: Yeah. Right. And then I love how you just made it. You went from like because it was nebulous and there was nothing tied to it, it went from sounding like something legit. And then you're like, the mom took a candy bar and he fucking lost his mind. Well, th- <laughs> well it's all the little abuses,
1: right? Like the mom doesn't realize when she took that candy bar, he hadn't eaten 50 in that day. He'd just eaten 50 over the course of like Halloween month, you know? And he just <laughs> didn't know where a trash was because he was a child, you know? <laughs>
0: So for some reason as you're explaining this out I imagine that the mother's flashback or the son's flashback for the mother that he'll suddenly get this yeah. or you as the player who've decided to choose the son and go with him you get a new piece of information that the son doesn't so you get to be like oh no he doesn't know and there's right. like a flashback scene of where the mom is actually not his real mom but instead a woman that adopted him when he was like found on the street and he was too young to remember so he thinks <laughs> this is his real mom <laughs> What if the twist is that his, the mom murdered his original family and took him as a baby? <laughs> so the That's the boys. That's the with, boy. That's the flash. That's the flashback. If you're the if you're yeah. the, the mom. All right, naughty dog. Y'all can hit us up. We'll work with you on this game. This concept. Please call me. I want to play this game. <laughs> yeah, we will be. Uh, we will gladly act as uh, producers on this game. Yeah, creative producer slash executive producer. We'll do something, you know. I just want a story credit. Yeah, <laughs> even if it's just a special thanks to Brett and Chris. Right, <laughs> like, just put on the box. Triangle squares.
1: Oh, I can't think of a good name. Triangles.
0: <laughs> the slap heard round the world. <laughs> triangle squares too mouthy. S- stork went to the wrong place of us. <laughs> oh, oh man this is ridiculous but uh, you know what that was a good time uh, um, the when you first started talking us. about the Mortal Kombat uh, you know the selection screen it actually made me think I don't even want to say too much but it made me think of Death Stranding I'll say that much <laughs> so you started making me be like Kojima's in this bitch once more oh my god could you imagine if you had to if the whole thing was you had to
1: connect communities and that's how you find your son <laughs> Okay, yes. we got to move on because we're, we're starting to give away intellectual
0: property. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at which point are we giving too much away? Jehudi MD, another one of our patrons, he says, the one thing that bothers me is the possibility of a creative drought when it comes to storytelling and the need to enlist help. We are talking about an A-tier studio that gave us The Last of Us, which is being, quote, ported to TV. This can be also a good thing that they need help to make sure that their future game stories don't become cliche and with repetitive themes. That's an interesting one because I think one of the things that's kind of been true to some degree, I think, since Neil has taken over, one of the things that Amy, I think, was a little bit better is a different word. The way that her games tend to lean is I felt like they always had a certain lightheartedness to them that had that, for I'm really trying to for lack of a better term, it had a, a movie feel to it, like in Indiana Jones, where serious stuff has happened, but you never really feel the full impact because there is that sense of levity enough to where it's like we even with everything that's happened and the drama behind it and the what pushes you to go, there's still that sense whereas like Uncharted Four was the first game where I really think that they tried going into that last of a style bleak and dark and yeah it's still Uncharted so we're not going to go hardcore in that but we are so going to push it more than Uncharted has in the past Uh, and then of course you see that in The Last of Us 1 and The Last of Us Part 2 so maybe there is some element of making sure that you don't become too repetitive with themes or certain ideas and and ways of presentation that can come from being more collaborative Um, but at the same time for people like Velvet if you've really been loving what they've been doing and you take too much away from Neil. Um, or, and, and that's weird, right? Because Neil's the president of the company. He's also creative director. He ultimately would have say, you would imagine. But it's how much can other voices around you convince you not to do something that would actually probably be a good idea or at least be something worth exploring. And that's always the balance that you have to do. When you have other people's voices in, they can, even in good faith accidentally drown out something that could have been interesting. And I think that that's a reasonable worry while also being a good benefit of if that happens, it may also keep things from being too repetitive or too cliche as you have more hands in the pot to a degree. What do you think, Chris? Um, I think that's a very valid point. I mean, I
1: think that's one of the things that does help with the writer's room is it, it stops, you know, it stops the flash from always only fighting, speedsters you know what i mean like it's that kind of thing where you have enough voices in the room to kind of give a different idea or you know put in an idea that maybe you don't have maybe i you have the benefit of knowing what you want to say but not how to say it kind of thing
0: yeah well and if nothing else i think it can get certain people out of potentially creative ruts because I think sometimes any creative person, you can find that you're leaning on certain things too often. And you're like, I wish I wasn't doing that. But I am I feel somehow like I'm creatively restrained right now until maybe somebody else opens up your mind with a new opportunity. Um, and, and a kind of different view on it. This one's interesting because this really takes away a lot of this has been about story so far, right? Um, and rightfully so because in a lot of ways, like Amy Hennig, right? His Savoy Prime's response wasn't directly about story. He didn't mention that. But when he name shouts out Amy Hennig, I think it comes with the understanding that she was very much the creative director in that situation. Uh, I'm not sure how much she came into play with what gameplay did or didn't do. She's a very accomplished employee within the uh, uh, industry. But at the same time, she clearly was much beloved and known for how she handled the story and characters and how she created them and went forward with them. So for someone like TT dog, six, six, six to come in, he says, to be honest, I'd prefer them to focus on the gameplay elements more. And I think that's interesting because this goes back to what we were talking about before. I kind of brushed up on it when I talked about thief in that video from the, the YouTuber. And he was talking about, Modern games holding your hands too much. And it's funny that even Neil, in a way, brought this up in that Mm -hmm. interview that he had recently where he said he appreciated that Elden Ring and games like it trusted their players enough to not hold their hands through it and that he really liked that and he wanted to use that more in what they have going forward. And some of that does come with this because I'd argue, as I've said many times, when you really ask about the gameplay... The Last of Us 2 has phenomenal gameplay, in my opinion. 100%. But what it doesn't do is it doesn't always tell its story through gameplay because, as Neil said, it's tools in a toolbox. But Naughty Dog does have a tendency to use cutscenes overwhelmingly as one of their primary tools from that toolbox. And they do, of course, sometimes do it with environmental storytelling. There's actually a really cool little environmental storytelling uh, thing that they have with one of the cults in The Last of Us Part Two that is completely optional. You can just find these things and see them. But um, I think that some people can get really tired of the very cinematic game and that some people really like the Dishonored and Thief and, oh, hey, the game is going to happen and you're going to learn things, but it's not going to be through traditional cutscenes. Or if it is, it's going to be very seldom that it is. We're going to give you information while never taking control away from you. And I think that that's in the spirit of what TT dogs uh, saying here, though, Mark, feel free to correct me uh, if, uh, if you meant something else by that, but I know that you've talked a little bit about that before. And I think some people do want freedom and more than just gameplay combat scenarios. They want freedom and, Everything. How do you approach where you're going? How do you approach if there's multiple ways for you to do it? And I feel like even then, The Last of Us 2 actually does a good job with those aspects. I think that there's a lot of ways for you to handle encounters and stuff, but we'll see. We have for kind of an in between. This is an interesting one because, Chris, you've been playing a lot as well. So you're a. Uh, your answer may be one that you've already talked about. Okay, uh, Joshua oh, Lago, yes. one of our longtime patrons. He originally was one of our co-hosts as well on um, Midweek Matinee. He says he asked rather favorite under the radar game lately. Chris, what do you have?
1: All right, so I didn't actually put this in my what you've been playing because I saw this question, and I think it's it's I think it's a pretty big game, but because it's a mobile game, Marvel Snap, Marvel Snap, baby. That yeah, is my game. I,
0: I, <laughs> I had a feeling that was coming. Um, you, you know, it's under the radar is always a really hard question because sometimes you think something is much bigger than it really is, even though it truly is under the radar. Um, one of the things that we have as being a little bit more core oriented within gaming is this idea that I think all of us think games are sometimes bigger than they are. And I think other times we think games aren't as big as they actually are because we're too in the mindset of being people who are very core gamers. And the casual audience really looks at things differently. Um, So if I'm really thinking it through and I'm trying to give one, I think my answer is if I'm looking at a game that released this year and technically this is still a and because it only released on PlayStation this year, but I think it's inscription inscriptions a fantastic game. It got a lot of love. So I know I'm not bringing anybody new to it necessarily. Maybe I am, but the chances are lower. Um, So to that end, I really enjoy that. But if I'm looking at something that is just in general, something I've played recently that I would argue is still a relatively under the radar game. It's Conan exiles. I think that's, when you really look at the numbers for it, I mean, it's not a huge Mm -hmm. game. um, And vast, vast majority of gamers have still never played it. Uh, But what I do know is that one of our patrons has recently been playing it. And from what I understand, enjoying it. So with that in mind, I hope (laughs) that more people try it out and enjoy it. Uh, And just like I told him, you can get on and play on our server. If you feel free to do so, Uh, just hit me up. Let me know whether it be Facebook or whatever. I will gladly let you in. I just got to send you the stuff. So the Lord Corg, I hope you and your friend are still enjoying the game. I might hop in and even play with you soon. If I don't end up downloading, uh, let's make a zoo or let's do it. Whatever it's called. All right. Let's see with that question out of the way we're going to get going on the rest of the show. But real quick, we want to remind everybody, if you like the show, if you like what we're doing, take a second. If you're watching on YouTube, like the video, it helps get us in front of more eyes. Our last episode actually was uh, in front of a lot more eyes than usual. And that was very nice. So thank y'all subscribe. We don't clearly post all the time. So we're not going to be bombarding your subscription things. Hit that little bell. Uh, If you're listening to this show on a podcast service that has any kind of rating and or review system, if you would, again, if you like the show, uh, even if you have uh, criticisms, feel free to voice them there as well as what you like about the show. It not only helps us know what you do and don't like, it helps other people know whether or not we may or may not be worth their time to listen to the show. And then lastly, for any of you who've been listening to the show and think, you know what? I could give a dollar a month. It's pretty easy to these guys to help support the show. Maybe more. If you have a more exposable uh, you know, income, then head over to patreon.com slash Nartech and consider giving that a dollar, whatever it be per month. It really helps us keep the show going without having to dig in our own pockets. And we appreciate every one of you who do it. We know that not everyone can trust me. I'm a big proponent of being able to have things that are free. Uh, but if you find that the enjoyment of the show is worth it to you, we ask that you at least consider it. Um, and As always, share the show with someone that you like. Post it on your Facebook, you know, someone that you think may like the show. Give us a shout out, you know. Uh, We appreciate that and plenty of you do it. But before we hop in the news, Chris, is there anything you'd like to say? Brett, do you think if a murderer
1: lost all their memories, should they go back to jail? Go back to jail so that they got they got out? And then lost all their memories? Yeah, let's assume that they killed someone, got mm-hmm. beaten up in jail, and lost all their memories, and don't know who they are or what they did. Yep. You think
0: they should stay in jail? Uh, yes. Okay. Do you want to know why? Why? Because, at least as far as most people would tell you, and I think it's a fairly reasonable uh, conclusion to draw to, just because you don't know what you did... Or didn't do. And just because you don't necessarily know if you have all the memories that led you to uh, be the kind of person with that personality to act that way. There's a very strong argument about nature versus nurture. And to some degree, if it is in your nature to do these things, even if you've forgotten, the chances of you doing them again are too high to run the risk of letting someone out. without. Again, proper rehabilitation, but that's a, that's a conversation that's a little different. That depends on whether or not you actually think prison should be for rehabilitation or just to segregate people from society for something they did. And it's amazing to me how many people are actually like jail should just be getting them out of our streets and out of our hair and out of our problems instead of working to try and make them better people who can eventually reassimilate. And that's a really interesting conversation to have. I mm. don't know if this is the, the spot to have that conversation. No, probably
1: not. But I was interested in your answer. Anyway, so
0: what's on the news? What is is yours? I got to know now.
1: Well, I feel like I probably agree with you, but at the same time, if if someone becomes a Blake Slate, like they're not and they're not the same person they were when they went in, because their mind is basically newborn, then I don't know that they should be in jail. They're a new person.
0: But can you really be newborn? Right? Like you know how to? Well, that was my point. That was what yeah, I even was Even people who are amnesiacs, question. right? Yeah, you still know how to. Le- you still know how to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. You don't have to relearn that. You still probably know how to walk. You still know how to breathe without thinking about it. That's general instinction. But you know that you have to eat. All mm-hmm. of these different things come together, and just because you're you have amnesia to some degree. It doesn't mean that you still don't have the parts of you that led you to act in that way. And then the real question becomes, how much does it take to trigger that back?
1: For sure. Again, my my thing was more like we're talking about a literal like lobotomized person. But you're right. But this can is they not really? The,
0: it, if they're really the lobotomized, That's this is not point. the forum.
1: This is not the forum. But if you were to go to our Patreon, like Brett said, maybe there could one day be a forum for that.
0: You just got to let us know. Yeah if you want a weekly little sideshow that we do or biweekly, who knows once a month, you ask us weird uh, moral questions and we just (laughs) debate them amongst ourselves to see. That's actually a great idea because I like the idea of being challenged and making yourself think about something that you may have never thought about. Mm -hmm. And then maybe even realizing that your immediate assumption is stupid, nonsensical or outright wrong, or maybe actually good. Uh, but that's only fun if people actually interact, and some people don't want that. Some people want to just listen to people talk about games, So, Who's to say that we can't pull this Miley Cyrus in this bitch and have the best of both worlds? You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Um, we are going to go ahead and move into the news, though, Chris. Uh, so the news, of course, is there's not a whole lot going on just because of where we are in the, in the year. But coming off of talking about Naughty Dog, let's go ahead and keep talking about Neil Druckmann. Uh, he's had a lot to say this week, first of all. The show, The Last of Us, based on The Last of Us game, which he is heavily involved in, has received rave reviews from critics, many of whom call it the best video game adaptation ever. It currently sits at 97%. While doing press ahead of the show's release on January 15th, Neil was asked about the potential for a third iteration in the series. On the gaming side, Neil responded to the Hollywood Reporter that there was, quote, more story to tell, end quote. This doesn't, just for any of you who are conspiratorial, this doesn't confirm the game's existence. But after leaks late last year, along with Neil's comments, um, a script for the game has already been outlined. But the game is apparently not currently being developed, at least as Neil thought. Or said the next quote was via comicbook.com, to which Neil said that Naughty Dog planned to announce the games closer to release in order to combat work life balance issues. He said that by announcing and then delaying The Last of Us 2 and Uncharted 4 back to back, the team ran into some issues maintaining that balance. He seems to hope that this will allow the team to delay internally thus avoiding public scrutiny and pressure that comes with a delay delay announcement, JPEG, on Twitter, as many developers have (laughs) recently taken to. Uh, And I can kind of understand that. Um, My big argument, and there's a lot of nuance to this, as Chris often brings up, um, there's a difference between announcing a game with a date, announcing a game by trying to show off more, and just generally letting people know that you're working on a game. Yeah. There are shades of gray in between every single one of those. And while it's okay to say, Hey, this is a game we're working on, but we're not ready to actually say, like, here's the last of us part three coming um you know, October twenty third, twenty twenty four, why say that now? Why right. say that now when you can instead say, uh eventually, maybe a year from now, you can say, Hey, the last of us exists. The last of us three exists, but we're not ready to talk about it or show it. Yeah. Okay. Fallout 5 is coming after Elder Scrolls 6. (laughs) Yeah, there's no expectation with it, right? Right. And actually, I'll give you, Chris, that's a great example because that's an off-the-hand, that's an off-the-cuff remark right? that doesn't come with some fancy we're trying to announce it as part of a big reveal in a game show like E3 or whatever. It's a, hey, look, being realistic, Fallout's a huge franchise for us. Of course, we're going to make a Fallout 5 eventually, but at the very least, it's going to be after the Elder Scroll 6. I have a lot less problems with that than I do world reveal the next game from Bethesda Softworks. <laughs> and it's Fallout just a vault 5. door. <laughs> yeah, it's like the the question always becomes and it's a really hard balance, right? Of how do you announce something while not overly hyping it with the announce, and what's that balance? What's the right amount of showmanship and hype-building, as well as not giving too much to where people start to feel like, oh, it's got to be coming soon? Mm-hmm. And, of course, with every game, that differs because every game takes a different amount of time to make. But, man. That's a hard, hard question. To imagine, you know? Because I
1: think the the Fallout 4 stuff was perfect, right? That was announced and then out six months later. That was great. Sure. But I also like knowing i've said that before like i like hearing like i would have loved if neil one of these interviews were like yeah Na- naughty dog's got three games in the pipeline factions is first we've got an unannounced new ip and then we're probably going to start last of us three i'd be like sick yeah <laughs> like that's that's what all i need more than like the marvel slate even though we've joked about that before you know todd howard going yeah he basically said at this point it's we're doing starfield Scrolls 6 and then fallout 5 like that's what he that's basically what he said that's cool you know yeah I agree. Hell, even Bungie's doing the same thing. Speaking of, I guess.
0: (laughs) Yeah, speaking of, on Twitter, Tom Farnsworth, Bungie's creative lead, mentioned that the team has multiple unannounced projects in the works with its new parent company, of course, that being Sony. He said that the team has moved to a new model of creating games, quote, moving strictly from boxed products to live service games, end quote. That clearly sounds like don't expect anything from Bungie. That isn't some form of live service game. And I think that that's a little disappointing if I'm being honest to myself, because I was really hoping that we would get something within the type of game that they typically tell stories and have worlds of, but completely skew their normal gameplay genre. Um, and with that actually comes a question from Jehudi MD, one of our patrons. He says pros and cons of a developer sticking to a game slash genre, examples of successful versus unsuccessful developers in this particular pursuit. Um, and I think Bungie is probably for me, the answer to both, at least for my personal opinion, right? I think when I look at, uh, pros and cons of a developer sticking to a game genre, uh, Sticking to a genre is good because it comes with this immediate feeling of comfort that this new game that you're doing is not going to be so outside of your wheelhouse that it brings up questions as to whether or not it'll be good. It brings immediate comfort because you go, well, we know they know how to make a good shooter game. So if their next game is a shooter game, even if it's a different take on a shooter game, it's probably going to be good. So now Mm -hmm. the only things we need to worry about are what are the world? What's the characters? What is the gameplay loop? And then that is one less thing to worry about. The con of that is that you start to feel a little bit like a one-trick pony unless you're really good at threading that needle. And um, I'm not exactly sure where Bungie is there because most most people don't think about it, but Bungie had a game on PS2 called uh, Oni that is not a shooter game. (laughs) Um, And it is also... It was before they were bought by Microsoft. So with that in mind... Bungie's been a non-shooter game company, but then ever since they became popular for a shooter game, they've very heavily stuck to that genre. Um, Where I would really personally like to see them go for my own benefit is I think that they have interesting worlds and interesting stories. But when you couple that with A, um, shooting games, which can do interesting stories and interesting worlds, even in a single-player setup. Uh, Resistance 3 is a great example of that. The flip side of what I don't like about that is that they're talking right here about being strictly live service games. And what I personally would have really loved to see Bungie do. Is move away from this type of game setup to where you have to constantly be shaking the game up and deleting parts of the game and ex- and deleting parts of the lore for new players because like Destiny Two is a frustrating experience for somebody hopping in for the first time right now. Oh, I couldn't you have zero imagine zero context for what's happening. You don't know why and of it's happening. You're getting immediately sucked into a story with characters that you don't know with motivations that you don't know, and it tries to thread that and trying to be like, okay, well we're going to explain. But it will never be as good as letting someone hop in and play Destiny 2's immediate main story that it shipped with that you can't even do now. Uh, I remember someone the other day saying, 75% of Destiny 2's content has been deleted. (laughs) Now, delete is a strong word. It's probably just vaulted somewhere, but it's not in the game. So you can't experience 75% of what this game even was. And that's a problem. So, what I would personally like to see Bungie do uh, would be to make a game in the Destiny world, but completely askew what type of game it is. I would love to see them make a Diablo style game where it's a top down shooter, like, you know, one of the kind of like um, Kill Zone Liberation, if you've played that, something that's kind of like that, but it has that dungeon uh, crawler loot vibe to it but completely askew what it is and then tell me a single player story within that that you know, you don't change and that you don't feel like you have to be games as a service to just be a game. Hell, make a, make a fantasy RPG with your kind of world. Do a fantasy. Chris, you remember that game you played called Elix? Yeah. That I, was kind I, of rough.
1: I do remember playing that, yes.
0: Take a second. Imagine Bungie making a RPG like that with their world and their storytelling and their art. So that
1: brings me to a question I don't think it's possible because it's just what I was reading. It, it leads me to two things, but we'll go with this first. What if Bungie goes to Sony and is like, we want to make a single-player IP. Do you think Gorilla would want to make a third-person open-world
0: RPG in the Bungie universe? Is that an, is, Do they do that? See, that's what I was wondering too is since it sounds like Bungie themselves is no longer wanting to make non-live service games, how willing would they be to let other developers that they meet with and trust and maybe have one of their people help executive produce the game to some degree? Or even
1: something weirder: what if Bungie on their own buys a studio?
0: Nothing to say they can't, as far no. as I understand.
1: I mean, it. Gearbox did it under Embracer. <laughs> um, so what if Bungie is like I know Spiders is off the table but it's the only thing coming into my head Bungie goes to Spiders and we like we'll, we'll buy you you're going to be Bungie Bungie Spider I guess and you're making single player RPGs in the Bungie universe you know I don't know it's interesting because with this news and the talk of you know multiple unannounced projects I still wonder if Sony is going to take a bite out of that that bungee apple and be like, okay, you guys have control of bungee games right now. You're not making a bungee game. That's exclusive, right? Like, Hey, we want you to make, we want you to reboot kill zone. That's a Sony game. It's not a bungee game. That's exclusive to PlayStation, you know, because they talk about, we want one unified bungee community, but let's say Sony goes, okay, screw it. We're we're putting, I don't know, deviation games on Killzone multiplayer. We want a a, um, a single player game from Bungie. You know,
0: is that, I wonder if something like that's possible. Because you, yeah, it, my question I, always comes down to what is community? And that's a, it's genuinely a good question. What is community in the sense in which Bungie are talking about it uh, as a fan based thing? And then, more importantly, to the conversation of what may be allowed via their contracts and stipulations yeah. of being bought, what is community contractually? What is the contractual definition of community for them to where if Sony asked them that they would, that it could be seen as trying to, and, and Sony owns them. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, and let, there might be a clause that if Sony tries to do something within a certain amount of years or time that they agreed to, that they can back out of the deal, but I don't, I doubt it.
1: I also... Well, I, I why would you doubt that, right? Because Bungie got out of Microsoft. They got out of Activision. It's actually a great point. There's that, nothing to say that. They were owned
0: by Activision, but they were very tightly partnered. They, they were got, straight up owned by Microsoft and got out. That's crazy. I,
1: if I'm not mistaken, the reason Destiny 2 is called Destiny 2 and not Destiny is because Activision owns that. So Activision, Activision let it go.
0: Activision <laughs> owned the IP. They did not right. own Bungie.
1: So that, No, that's just I know they didn't own difference. Bungie. What I'm saying is... They, yeah. they can't rename it Destiny because Activision still owns that game. If I'm not, again, if I'm not mistaken. So, but the point of that more is like, think about Remedy with Crossfire X, right? Yes. They made Crossfire X. So let's say Deviation Games, their IP is we're making a zone live service. Oh, by the way, Bungie is making the single player game.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I would love to see that personally. If community is exclusively talking about multiplayer gaming, then yeah, I agree with you. I just I don't know if that's what they mean by community. Well, I, I, I genuinely don't.
1: No, I don't either. I just think the technical way to look at that is if you're Sony and Bungie, is like this is the Killzone community. It's not the same as the Bungie community or the Resistance community. You know, yeah, that's how I would look at it. But that's just me.
0: Uh, an actual another example that's you You mentioned um, resistance, and I don't think it comes to mind uh, up until recently, I really think that insomniac uh, were a good example of a developer that mostly stuck to a certain type of game. Mm-hmm. They were known for making shooter games with very interesting weapons, and they did that for a long time with Ratchet. Uh, and clank and then they did that with resistance and then they did that again with fuse and then to some degree they did that with uh Sunset Overdrive. Mm-hmm. They constantly shifted what perspective you were doing them in, but that's kind of always been their shtick up until Spider-Man. I mean they had their the the, the small games they did like that um GameStop published some Song of game the Deep that, Song of the Deep, yes. But as far as their major games, they have been known for being a company that makes shooter games, be it third or first-person shooters, that are known for having interesting guns, typically with some kind of secondary firing mode. Yeah. That's just been their thing. Yeah. Uh, and I think that they've been very successful at that. But ironically, their biggest success ever came from the the time they sh- bucked that trend and made a superhero game.
1: Mm-hmm. We'll see. You know, there's the one other possibility that we're not talking about is Bungie is a self publisher. What if one of these live service games comes from bu- comes out of Bungie, but is not a Bungie game? You know,
0: yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Because
1: yeah. if if Bungie's got the live service talent and they're gonna spearhead live service for Sony, what if all those live services are published by Bungie? It's it's not any different really than being published by Sony. Sony doesn't make less money, I would imagine. But if those games, and we're seeing
0: that right now with Bethesda publishing their own
1: games, yeah, and I'm sure Activision probably would have done the same thing, assuming that goes through. So you, I almost wonder if maybe saying instead of you know a Sony Interactive Entertainment a Bungie product, you know, Deviation Games game, if that gives more credence and legitimacy to the live service, or if Bungie looks at that and goes, you're tarnishing our name with this game. (laughs) Because they they would be putting the Bungie seal of approval, and I think that
0: makes any game a little bit bigger. Which, that could also be their play, because, you know, if Bungie's supposed to be spearheading their live service thing, and they're supposed to be acting as kind of a shepherd to a lot of these studios and how to approach a live service game Mm -hmm. uh, successfully... Maybe that is what the goal is—is is to actually have those games come technically out of Bungie. But I'm I, I'm I'm curious because I'd be really, I'd be really curious to see what the power of a game having published by Sony Interactive Entertainment like that splash screen coming up. What is the value of that over the value of it saying Bungie at this point? And. It, and genuinely, what the what the difference that fans view it as and what Sony views it as.
1: This might be the most terminally online thing I could say, or you'll agree with me. But it might just be the, the Sony looks at Sony Interactive Entertainment as people expecting God of War or The Last of Us or a third-person-over-the-shoulder story-based game with cutscenes, which is the, the meme about them now. And maybe to them, putting the Bungie name on it rather than the Sony name, makes people automatically assume it's going to be something different than that and then if a lot of these games is are going to be multi-platform right it probably it probably eases some of the the pain in their chest of it's not sony coming up on an xbox it's bungie coming up on an xbox that name's already come up on xbox you know i don't know if that makes sense but
0: yeah that'll be interesting to see i don't know but I mean, unless you have another developer you want to shout out as an example of a pros and cons, because I mean, I haven't. It's it's weird. I don't want to spend forever on this question, but it's a great question massive. because if you if you want to look, go ahead. What massive? Okay, so uh, massive is the uh, division, D- division and Avatar. Avatar. Up, technically. Yeah, I guess we'll yeah. see with Avatar, but
1: right now they're very good at making the fourth best of those types of games. So.
0: Well, I think of, uh, in in keeping with the wheelhouse, ironically, because Bungie technically is there now, but uh, keeping with the wheelhouse of Sony Studios, the flip side is, as much as I love Killzone, if we look at the the pros and cons of sticking to a game slash genre, if it wouldn't have been for Guerrilla branching out and doing Horizon, no matter how much you personally like it or dislike it, there's a good chance that Gorilla might have just been outright closed. Oh, probably. Because as much as I adore Killzone, and there's a group of people who do, it was never commercially incredibly successful. It was never commercially what Sony expected every shooter game they put out to be. And that's a little unfair, because I mean, like, is Killzone selling 2.3 million copies bad? Not even a little bit. And it's still an exclusive game. But when you're marketing it and saying, this is going to be the Call of Duty killer, or this is going to be the Halo killer, and then you're selling a quarter as much as them, if not less, then you're undoubtedly looking and going, well, so is the money we're putting into this useful? But now when you change that and you go, well, yeah, the team that made Killzone, but they're making, a, they're making a, a completely different game now. Do you notice that they've never said this is the Witcher 3 killer? They, they've never <laughs> given that same dumb marketing to... Uh, horizon, because why would you? I think in many ways, Sony marketing set Killzone up to fail by trying to set expectations that it was going to be the killer of another game. It's always a dumb idea from a marketing standpoint. Yeah,
1: I mean, Sony's moved away from a lot of that harsh language, but the more I think about this question, the more I think that the conversation is really who doesn't make the same types of games over and over again. And I think you really get two answers, where you get Gorilla and you get Supergiant. Or supermassive, which was the one, the super giant, the Hades guys. I feel yeah. like those are the only two answers that I can really think of of studios that aren't making the same games. You know, maybe arcane, but we don't know what Redfall is. But I yeah, think a true. lot of those games operate the same way. So I think I think the thing with studios, and this is why Gorilla is such an interesting story, is that studios make the same games. That they make what they're good at. You know, if you told me Polyphony was coming out with one of the live service shooters, I don't think I'd play it. Like, you know... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because that's not their expertise. And Yeah. That's why I think in the end, like, I think we're the question, and it's a good question, again, I like the conversation, but I think we're looking at this as, oh, it sucks that Bungie's doing live service. And yes, that does suck that we're not getting... You know, uh, another Halo 2 from them. But Sony Santa Monica is probably making a third-person-over-the-shoulder action game. That's all Naughty Dog's done in in recent memory. You know, Gorilla really is the only example I can think of of a studio that's changed genres successfully. That's just me.
0: Successfully is a good point, because I think changing genres, I mean, there's a lot of them that have done it. Insomniac is is the best example because they were already successful enough for Sony to continue working with them for pretty much all their games. Mm -hmm. But then they see huge success by drastically changing genres just like Guerrilla did. And if anything, I think Sony has more reason than ever to feel like changing genres is – allowing teams to experiment outside of their genre comfort zone is – yeah has potential to be very successful even if it's a rocky start and hey not to forget about Xbox Playground games well that's what i was going to say is I, you know it's a reasonable question just like you said about oh um, i got a good one looking actually at polyphony right and if they made a shooter well there's people who are asking like is playground games really the studio to entrust with bringing back xbox's one exclusive RPG series that was originally, you know, I mean, they all they bought Lionhead, so it is what it is. But Fable is like one of the few RPGs that's like synonymous with mm-hmm. Xbox, and you're gonna choose to bring that back by giving it to someone who's exclusively made racing games, and it doesn't mean it's a good or bad because, as we've seen, someone who exclusively made shooters made a incredibly successful action RPG mm-hmm. with. With Horizon and Horizon Mm -hmm. 2. And then, of course, someone who made a successful shooter style games moved on to making a superhero game that was massively successful. So, it is what it is. But you you make a really good point with specifically Arcane. Yeah. Yeah. Arcane Arcane is a great example of, I actually think their games need to stay similar because. More than most developers, you have an idea in your head, if you've played a few arcane games, of what an arcane game is. Well,
1: that's exactly it. You know, just because so, just because the titles are different doesn't mean the games are different, right? Elder Scrolls, Starfield, sure. and Fallout are going to all act the same way, just like a new IP from Sony Santa Monica. Obviously, I don't know this for sure, but it's probably going to stick to what they know. But before we move on, the best example is actually a Sobo. Oh, yeah. That's Plague Tale and Microsoft
0: Flight Simulator. <laughs> yeah, is that all they've done? Just out of curiosity, uh, I'm not sure I mean, if they've done more. I want to look them up real quick because I think they're, um, I think they're really interesting. Like they made Zoo Tycoon, that one that you read, the game you, you were go. talking about. <laughs> they had a, they had a really strong partnership with uh, Microsoft crew, for a while. They must have been a, a co-developer on that. They were on Quantum Co-developer on Quantum Break, so yeah, they've been a co-developer on plenty of things. But if you look at their actual original titles, it looks to primarily be a Plague Tale and Microsoft Fly Simulator. They made HoloLens games, (laughs) Fragments and Young Corker were HoloLens
1: games, it's on their website. But anyway, let's move on to the next piece of news. I just, when I came up with that, I was like, oh, that's the the best one. (laughs) That is a good
0: one. Judy. thank you for the question. If you want to ask questions that we will uh, slot into spots where they make sense in the show or catch all at the end to a degree, remember... Find us on social media like we talked about. We post for question collection. Feel free to do that. Or if you ever just want to hit us up, DM us, or uh, randomly tweet us with a question, we'll try and keep it in mind and get to it on the show. Uh, Next thing up on the news, after a leak on r slash gaming leaks and rumors leaked the leaking (laughs) of a Sony first party game. The faucet opened, and we've now seen what is purported, purported rather, to there be a new Sony IP. It appears to be a sci-fi shooter in development at XDEV. Supposedly, the game is being developed on Unreal Engine 5, and supposedly, people with knowledge of the game are dubbing it, quote, Gears of Effect, end quote. <laughs> Before I continue, yeah, I'll take a second. What is that name? Is it Gears of War and Mass Effect?
1: Yeah, I'm assuming it's like a space opera with Gears of War gameplay. Which sounds sick, honestly.
0: Now you've said space opera and you got me thinking of like uh, having a game that's telling a story through music as they're just... (laughs) That would be great. But for (laughs) all intents and purposes,
1: Mass Effect is a space opera, right? Fair point, yes. I would agree. Uh, It would be better if if Master, if if commander shepard sang the whole time i could use more um what was it the scientific solarians
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) fair enough um all right another retired slash unretired leaker by the handle of dusk golem as you may remember i think he was in relation to the resident evil eight leaks that actually did end up being mostly Mm -hmm. true i'll give him credit uh has said that small, the small bit of footage seen was from an old build of the game, and he'd seen, quote, much more of the game. Hopefully, we will see this game at one of the many rumored PlayStation showcases that will also be leaked throughout 2023, uh, which leads us to a question that we can wrap up into this whole discussion from Savoy Prime, one of our patrons. He says, I think my question is the one question that is on the mind of every PlayStation gamer. When the hell is the PlayStation showcase coming? i I feel
1: like it's got
0: maybe this is wishful thinking but it's got to be february if there's not been one by march i will genuinely i I will go to the point of i don't know yeah i i will might actually start believing at that point that we won't get one until the activision blizzard thing goes through oh yeah that would that would be
1: a hundred percent like oh this is confirmed they're not doing it for this you know
0: because when's the last PlayStation Showcase or even State of Play we had? It was oh, right yeah, around Summer Game Fest, right? Yeah, I believe it was. Now, I might be wrong. There might be one I'm missing there. But they have been abnormally quiet in this latter half of the past year. What now, I see whether that's due September. September. Okay. Oh, okay. 2021. So we're still at the point where we are now four months without anything from even a State of Play. And that's not even their big thing which feels abnormally quiet. Is it just because they don't have enough that's in a state that's ready to show and they're trying to do like Neil Druckmann talked about by balancing when to show games to help keep expectations in check? Or are they trying not to show too much while they're currently trying to make Xbox look a certain way because of this Activision deal? I don't know, (laughs) but it's, it's where we are. Um, So with that in mind, you're saying february i'm saying by march like by march 20th when spring is hitting if we don't know about it by march 20th if we haven't had one or know about it by march 20th i don't know
1: i feel like just for the slate of 2023 to look not as barren unless they truly believe that the third parties they've got coming out this year are all going to hit and it's going to be um they don't need first party games. It's looking a little like Xbox last the last year.
0: Well, like, do you mean like some of their second party deals, like Final Fantasy seven remake, Final Fantasy sixteen, yeah, more spoken, maybe Silent Hill remake 2? I, I doubt Silent Hill two is, but for the sake of another example,
1: well, my I guess my point is more that all they have from first party is Spider Man and Horizon Call of the Mountain, if I'm not mistaken. So and MLB twenty twenty and twenty three. Of course, yeah. of course. yeah. You know, th- but the VR side is not, you know, as much as I'm interested in VR, it's not what most gamers are looking at.
0: Exactly. You know? And I think it would be a little foolish for them to be like, well, this is going to be the year of the VR from the first party standpoint. And the sec- and then the second party and third party relations are what's going to carry us for the rest of the year. It's possible. It is possible. It is. But I doubt that it would be purposefully chosen that way. I could see it being—we don't have enough that we're really ready to show, but we have enough second-party stuff that's close, so we can let that ring, and then we can let our first-party yeah. presence really be seen on PSVR two, and at least we're not being completely quiet. I could see it. That's why but, I think February, because I feel
1: like that's the really—I feel like that's the latest you could announce something for twenty twenty three is is sure. the end of February. So
0: well, like, and, and since COVID has hit, and clearly changed a lot of things um i'm trying to think of like studios that haven't done something a little bit right so like ghost of tsushima if i remember correctly and I, I did actually i just double checked myself ghost of tsushima was announced in uh 2017 and if we look at infamous second son second son was a 2014 march if i remember correctly yeah march 2014 game so we're looking at about a three-year window between real uh, releases there so then, if we go to Ghost to Tsushima's actual release date and look, we're a we're July seventeenth, twenty twenty. We're getting close to a three year ish mark. Yeah. Or I guess actually twenty twenty one would be one, then two. So we're we're getting close to where we might be seeing something from them, but also maybe not, depending on what they are. You know, I could see why Ghost took longer because it was a new IP, but realistically, if the next game is a follow up to Ghost. Is it reasonable to expect to see it three years after Ghost?
1: I think so. I think so too. So, but you got think we haven't seen Deviation, we haven't seen Haven, we haven't seen, um,
0: we haven't seen factions, we haven't seen the second team from God of War, uh, right? You know, from Sony Santa Monica.
1: In- Insomniac hasn't given us a trailer for Spider Man, um. No trailer for Wolverine. So even if twenty twenty three is barren, I still think there's a lot of things to talk about. And it's not barren. And we have Final Fantasy sixteen and Spider Man two. Like that's all you need. But at the same time, we people, <laughs> you know, you can't not ha- I feel like you gotta have a little bit more. You gotta at least give PlayStation Gamers something to be excited about. Because what's it what are you excited for in twenty twenty four? Wolverine and MLB? I think I'm the only person that applies to, so I guess uh, Kyle from <laughs> Trophy Room, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, he's a huge yeah MLB fan. So, so that's that's my worry. That's why for me, it's got to be February or or June has to be E three level announcements. In my opinion, it's got to be one of the two. You can't just have yeah, a I bunch of state of plays with a bunch of chias and then one big. Oh, here's factions. Here's Spider Man.
0: Yeah, I agree. Well, let's take a second to go back to look at the piece of news. What are your thoughts on this right here? Do you think that this is one of the examples of a a Gears of Effect? That is not a game that I would think would be fitting the... um, That name is not what I would have thought a live service game would have gotten the hit through. If you're if you're hitching a Mass Effect style thing to it, I don't think that that's going to be a live service game. At I least not in the multiplayer focused live service aspect. Um, I see an Outriders? You know, maybe type. maybe something more like a Warframe and Destiny. Maybe Outriders, yeah, maybe. But I don't know. You know, that's a real big question here. Or is this there's someone coming in and saying like, this is our Western RPG because like. And it sounds like... You, know, you think about Mass Effect. Mass Effect is a shooter game. They always have been. Yeah. But they're typically referred to and looked at as RPGs, even though they've always been shooters. So if you, if I were to look at this and try and deduce what I think this game is, I think it's a game that's trying to be a space uh, RPG, like Mass Effect, but with an even heavier uh, look or you know, uh, um, inner working of, of a shooter game to where it kind of... Sh- Bridges that gap even more, and that doesn't strike me as a as a live service game.
1: No, to me, the what I what I read up. What I'm sorry, what this sounded like to me was a single player shooter.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I don't know if which you is saw kind it, of interesting, but I did. <laughs> se- I just sent you the link to the footage. Um, but it, I actually it, didn't. It looks to me like a space, eldritch-ass, Bloodborne-type game. That's, I think, the big buzz I've seen around it, and it's true. That's what it looks like. So if you can give me that with a cool story and a mediocre multiplayer, or even a good multiplayer, hell, why not make your own Gears-type game? You know? Yeah. Steal it. Give Which, me a horn You know, mode. you think
0: about all these games, <laughs> like even Mass Effect had forms of multiplayer. Yeah. It did. And I liked it. Yeah. So, I mean, hell, there was that point in time where it feels like every game had some form of multiplayer. Do you remember Assassin's Creed uh, 2 and 3 having multiplayer? Was it 2 or was it Brotherhood? 2 did not. It was um, Brotherhood. Brotherhood Brotherhood. actually had a super fun multiplayer mode where you had to hide and you had to try and find the player throughout all the crowds of people who was like the... Wasn't it Black Flag that brought that in? What is the about?
1: The multiplayer? I don't know if... I don't remember the Ezio trilogy having it.
0: Brotherhood had multiplayer because I actually remember the GameStop commercial around it um, where it was like one player would be like... The commercial had them like dressed up as a jester and you had to go find them within the crowds of people and that was your multiplayer. It wasn't too incredibly off from like what Watch Dogs eventually did. Mm. Where it was like the multiplayer is you trying to find and deal with the other player and that you could... The other player had the ability to interact with certain things that you couldn't. Uh, so I wouldn't say like asynchronous multiplayer. Like do you remember Dead Space uh Dead Space 2's multiplayer? Yeah. Where you, w- it was one person who played a basically Isaac Clarke role and then the rest of you were Necromorphs. I actually it was fun. <coughs> Excuse me. Um but yeah, I I was a fan of the weird experimentation of multiplayer around that time.
1: Yeah. I mean, <coughs> um, I dig the uh Fuck, BioShock. I like that multiplayer too. BioShock 2. BioShock
0: 2. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, even like what was the um which Assassin's Creed game was it? It may have been 4 where the multiplayer had like this weird system of maybe been 3. It may even have been the Vita one, but it had like a, a Abstergo versus the uh, somebody else and it was like these clans that had point systems. It was kind of oh, like the no weird idea. And I may be making that up in my head, but I feel like I remember that I didn't play a lot of us as I know
1: the yet. hook for the multiplayer was you're an Abstergo agent training to be a Templar, and this is all simulation So that that was the the hooks. So maybe that's what you're thinking of,
0: yeah, maybe that was it, but I remember there being points. I mean, it kind of reminds me of uh the last of Us multiplayer where you had which faction you were in mm-hmm. and how you had that back end game of like if you did well, your group did better. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That was a weird idea, but that's okay. Uh, moving on to the next piece of news that we have, though. Uh, thank you for the question, Savoy Prom. Appreciate you. Uh, we have Sony, who was at CES and had a doozy of a showcase. They announced Project Leonardo. Uh, an accessibility-minded controller. It's in a disc form with buttons going around the sides and a joystick in the center. Uh, Sony's uh, next announcement was that over 30 games will be released with PlayStation VR 2 on launch. Two of those titles include Gran Turismo 7, what I finally needed to hear to make me actually pre-order this damn thing, (laughs) and Beat Saber, uh, which I do think a lot of people thought was up in the air because of Facebook's purchasing of beat saber and the studio behind it uh you didn't know if they were going to try and make it exclusive which leads to an interesting thing that i want to i want to talk about here but i'll finish this up so uh, they have also showed a trailer for gran turismo which is directed by neil blomkamp if you remember he was the one originally tied to the halo movie and then he was also of course uh he dealt with district nine uh which is a great movie actually i really like i like district nine yeah, so he's a really interesting choice of of uh, director, but he's a good director. It stars David Harbour, Revolutionary Road is what he's from, as well as a million other things. You may know him from Stranger Things. Orlando Bloom from Troy, also my man Legolas, and Archie Meduke. <laughs> I don't actually know how to say that last name. <laughs> uh, apparently from something called Teen Spirit. I don't recognize that one. Finally, Sony said that it felt the supply constraints on the console were ending, which I think has been pretty clear. Uh, but despite that, 30 million PlayStation 5s have been sold to date. And that's interesting because up until now, they've been using shipped through, and this one was particularly sold through, Mm -hmm. which uh, was an interesting changeup. So going back to what I kind of thought of in this, VR being in this kind of startup stage, you always have to wonder whether or not people are going to make VR games that are exclusive to one and then inevitably have people try and pirate their ways around it. Or, if they're going to come out of the gate and say, listen, VR is in a pretty nascent state, if we have a cool VR game, maybe it can have slightly better features that we were able to develop for on ours, but then otherwise it's going to be able to work on general VR, have at the." Because you think like Beat Saber getting bought by Oculus, uh, now Meta, Um, when you look at it that way, You can see why they may want to keep Beat Saber to themselves. It is a big VR game, but they almost have more to gain by letting Beat Saber be on as many VR headsets as possible. And, Therefore, increasing demand for any VR uh, VR headset, which has that kind of a rising tide raises all boats effect to where all VR starts to do better because you're not trying to strictly and tightly confine games into one ecosystem of a pretty small and niche currently um, industry. But then do you see that happening in a reciprocal nature? Because like... We're getting Beat Saber on PSVR 2, but is Horizon Call of the Mountain going to eventually hit PC VR and Oculus? And I don't think it's a foregone conclusion because as far as we can tell, Sony owns Iron Man VR, even though they don't own Camouflage, and yet they're allowing that game to go onto Oculus? So maybe... Do you have any thoughts on that? I know you're not as big in the VR, but uh, you know, just looking at it from a standpoint of a of a fairly small and still needing to grow industry, what do you think the benefits and uh, negatives are to holding on and or um, letting your exclusives eventually go elsewhere, if not day and date, go elsewhere?
1: Well, I think the thing with the VR market is that the game it's so small that I feel like. That's kind of a choice you just have to do, regardless of if you want to or not. You know, I don't think you can make a game, and this is just my personal opinion, but I feel like it's hard to make a game like Horizon Call of the Mountain for the, let's say, 2 million people who are going to buy VR. So at best, you can expect to sell what? Maybe 500,000 copies if you assume that a 33% attach rate, you know? So I think the best option is. Just to put it on PC eventually in six months, a year, and let let it work with Oculus. However, the other point I could make, right, is you wouldn't do that, or um, Sony's not going to do that because PSVR 2 does not work on PC, at least as far as we know.
0: Yeah, and that comes in, I could see it being a move hardware aspect, which... Uh, one of the things that Meta talked about when they rose the price on the Quest 2 was that they couldn't, they didn't want to continue selling hardware at a loss. And since that chips prices have gone up, and they had always been selling at a loss to some degree anyway, they wanted to cut that. And I think that that Sony's doing the same thing here. They're wanting to not take any of the burden of the hardware. They don't want to make a loss. They want to sell for basically even, if not a little profit, um, for these. So Sony, of course, because they're in a walled ecosystem, have the most benefit of being like, let's make our game only work for us. But then there are games that I think are exclusive. Like if I'm not mistaken, Resident Evil VR, Resident Evil 4 VR is exclusive to Quest. It is. Resident Evil 7 VR is exclusive to PSVR. Uh Resident Evil 8 very likely could be exclusive to PSVR 2. So it's I I agree and I, I agree with you, but at the same time, it's not across the board how we're seeing these things go. So maybe it just depends on the game. Like maybe for VR, Beat Saber is their Minecraft to where it's like we bought it after it was already a phenomenon. And at this point, it makes more financial sense. To just let that game release on everything and just reap in all the benefits and then just use other lesser-known games as exclusives or games that we specifically commission, like their – what was it? San Andreas or Vice City, whichever one it was that they're redoing as a VR. So, yeah, it's an interesting thing. I'm curious how that goes off. But there is more than VR talk in there. We'll get back to that Mm -hmm. here in a little bit. First thing, we have a question from Grump of Thrones. He says – Why hasn't Sony done this before? And he's talking about in relation to the accessibility controller. He says, while I don't know statistics, I'm sure that there have been accessibility issues in the past. I could just about imagine becoming disabled tomorrow and never playing again. That'd be devastating. Um, Chris, what are your thoughts on that? I just don't think
1: there was as much of a vocal call for stuff like this as there is now. I know that's crazy, but even, you know, I, I kind of like talking about this because it's interesting where, as an able-bodied person, I'd never thought about accessibility in my life, right? Never, yeah. Not once. Like, it doesn't matter to me. As shitty as that sounds, it didn't. It didn't matter, right? I can play games. So I wasn't thinking about someone who can't, you know? And I do think that the From Software conversation has caused a lot of issues for this conversation, right because for a long time until very recently you were talking to me about accessibility in gaming and i was thinking of you know game journalists who can't play elden ring like that i, I that's what it, it always came off to to me but more recently um my girlfriend is colorblind and it has been so fucking hard to find a game where she that she can play right like we were i was like i'm just going to throw on outlast cuz she likes horror And she can't see anything on the screen when it's in um, night mode. Like literally, she's like, it's just a gray screen. So like that to me was a kind of eye opening. Where now I'm like, can she play this? And I go to the settings and I look for colorblind mode, and it's not there. You know what I mean? So now I'm in a situation where like I get it. So like something like this is is cool. Obviously, you know, Sadie's not going to be using this controller, right? But it does make me see it in a different light where i'm like oh wow this is actually more important than i would have given it credit for cuz i at one point i was only playing stuff for myself so yeah i th- i i think just my little anecdote is kind of where a lot of gamers were you know let's not forget as much as we like to pretend it wasn't true 10 years ago you know gaming was for boys you know so i think the conversation around video games is opening up and changing in a in a way that's only happening recently. You know? Same way last five years. Right. Because it's the same way we're like we're 30 playing Yu-Gi-Oh! When we were fifteen, the age appropriate time to play Yu Gi Oh, we would have gotten our asses kicked. It's the same kind of thing. I think just as we grow and change standards, stuff like that happens. So I hope that made sense, but
0: Yeah, I get what you mean. And I could also see how um, Sony has been, for the last few years, uh, The Last of Us 2 is a good example of that. It wasn't the first game to do it, but The Last of Us 2 is a big example of it. Um, So that's 2020 as a a reference point. And so we've had three years almost of Sony having their games say, hey, accessibility is important. Mm Mm-hmm. And we saw it, we've seen that continue to go into all of their games. Um, Insomniac's talking about how it's impacting their game development for Spider Man 2. We're seeing it in the remaster for The Last of Us Part 1. We're seeing uh, God of War have these things. So it's becoming more prevalent within Sony that their developers are thinking we need to go ahead and account for accessibility within our games and then also push to hopefully have accessibility features that are more system wide. Because, um, you know, like right now, Do you remember when you set up your PlayStation 5 that you could go in and set um, some basic settings of like if a game has an option for favor performance or favor favor frame rate, which one do you want it to automatically go to? Uh, If a game has got subtitle options, I I can't remember all of them, but there's stuff like that. Like if there's a difficulty Mm -hmm. option, which one do you want the game to automatically default to? And these are things that you can set on your system side. Imagine how interesting it could get for people who really do need these layers if Sony from a system level is like, "All right, for games that do have these things pre-baked in, you can set your settings up to where it can always be set up to you per, per profile. So that if you have multiple disabled people who are disabled in different ways, their profile is already accounting for them when they log in, that would be kind of cool. And then maybe they take it a step further and say, uh, we're going to build in things so that games that don't have it, we at least have a fallback kind of like uh this isn't accessibility, but think about Xbox's auto HDR. It, forces games that don't have HDR to display in an HDR manner. And it does mm-hmm. change the way the games look. It's faux HDR, but it helps. So maybe they can find a system-level colorblind mode that's never as good as any of the colorblind ga- modes for that are specifically made for a game. But maybe it can open that door to where developers who don't have the team size and ability to do it, maybe the system says, we have something to help. But you know, going back to the question, why hasn't Sony done this before? Chris, I think you kind of hit it Uh, right on the head initially that there wasn't enough of a vocal outcry for I think Sony to realize and this is yet to be proven just to throw that out there that this is a business Mm -hmm. and I don't think there was enough vocal outcry that Sony thought that the money it would have taken from a research and development standpoint, a production standpoint and then making it hit shelves and then the chances that it doesn't do well and they put a lot of money into producing something that doesn't sell well enough to justify it That is always a possibility. And if there isn't enough discussion or people who are bringing forth their issues, there's less of a reason to do it with a specialized piece of hardware. There's more reason to go, hey, let developers start baking it into their games immediately. Hey, let's make a system-wide feature where you can remap buttons on your controller so that maybe you can make a better setup for someone who does have some kind of limitations. All right, cool. We're getting a step in the right direction without having to spend money on a physical product. Because a a story I always try and go back to for people who may not realize how much overly investing into a physical, a piece of hardware in this sense, can be. One of the main reasons that THQ went Mm -hmm. under was because of the UDRAW tablet that they overly invested with. And by the time they went bankrupt, they had warehouses full of UDRAW tablets. Because they overestimated. Now, of course, Sony wouldn't do that here because there's a more clear market of who needs accessibility. But it's why you don't see companies jumping headfirst into this. It helps that somebody eventually opened the door. Microsoft seems to be the one that opened the door on the console side and said, what if we were able to have a system-level controller that, of course, is going to be more expensive because it needs to be able to be more accommodating, But also, we can try and keep the cost within reason so that it is an option for them that's not – it doesn't seem like we're taking advantage of them. And Sony are just following that lead now, and that's a good thing. Um, But ultimately, every business is unfortunately a business, and there is always that balance. I know deep down inside that the reason that backwards compatibility has not been a thing for Sony is because – Historically speaking, backwards compatibility is never used enough to justify the, re- the R&D that goes into it. So what you have to start doing is hoping a company out of sheer PR benefits, because that's really what they can objectively look at on paper and say, well, if we put the time and money into this, the PR could be worth it. Um, or just by saying, we have a lot of money and resources and we have so much that we feel comfortable saying we want to put money and time and effort into preserving games. And we're going to start working on having a way to do that. Which one's more realistic? The one where they don't have to spend money on something that's not known to give them some kind of a return because they're beholden to people who they're using their money for. Um, so ultimately, this had to go through the same same thing, right? Some They had to go through people and be like, this is what we think is a good idea for market. This is what we're using your money on. Yeah, um, I think one of the interesting things I read
1: recently on the accessibility front is that that is the reason why games like The Last of Us and Horizon are being remade is to make them more accessible and add those options system level um and i've seen that as well, and that's one of those things where, yeah, as a gamer, like i don't understand why Sony's re- wasting resources on a game that just came out you know five years ago, or whatever it was for Horizon, but when you put it in that context, it does make a lot of sense that hey. Maybe Sadie can't play the Horizon that I have installed, but maybe there's a colorblind mode on the new one, and maybe she'll want to play that. You know what I mean? So yeah, it it makes a lot more sense when you look at it from all the, the from that angle.
0: Yeah, there are levels. Uh, one of the conversations I heard about that, which makes a lot of sense, if we're not super deep into gaming. So the question starts becoming: for a game like Horizon that's already been patched for PS5 once without getting a PS5 native version. What is stopping them? And this is not a, this isn't me trying to get a gotcha to them. This is a genuine question. What is stopping them from just patching the PS4 version of Horizon with these accessibility issues? Is it that the newer version of the engines are made with these things and can deal with them? Is it that there wasn't enough power in the original version of the engines? Is it that the, the engines have to be super prior, uh, like prioritize to be able to have those things from the ground up so that the game can run around it without ne- impacting quality and or performance
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's good questions that most of us on the outside consumer standpoint are not going to see but it's more quick to say um, a game like Demon Souls that okay it's like do you really think someone we can't even play PS3 games on PS5 right now so you couldn't update that game right because yep. you, you can't all right, And then you think about a game like The Last of Us Remastered, which was already just taking a PS3 game and moving it up to PS4. So maybe there really are engine limitations as to why they can't do it to that game. But why can't they do it for a game that was made for PS4? If The Last of Us 2 had it in there on PS4, is there a reason genuinely why you can't take that uh, back? And that's a good question. Uh, then again, you have to deal with the nasty question of, if, you're, if that's one of your primary reasons for a remake, and then the secondary is just new audience can play a better version and existing audience that loved it can again play a better version uh, or at least a version with prettier coat of paint, price. You can't overly leverage that as something that you're doing because the moment that you go, we're doing this for disabled gamers and we're charging them $70 <laughs> is not a great look. <laughs> <laughs> if we're being honest to the PR realities of what it is, you know,
1: I'm just going to agree with you and not make the joke that immediately came to my head.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, to, uh, to your point, Grump of Thrones, I can imagine becoming disabled and never being able to play games or guitar or a lot of things again. Uh, And it is a devastating thought. Um, And that's not to say that these aren't things that people already have to deal with. Of course they are. And um, it's unfortunate. But Mm -hmm. it is cool that some people are trying to find a way to make business sense and consumer beneficial sense to things like um, accessibility modes and accessibility controllers so that you have the biggest ability to try and close that gap without forcing anything on people in particular. Um, I think that's what's what's good. And I think it's why the big difference between the conversation around the difficulty mode is such a weird one because… If you say, well, there's people who, are disab- who have disabilities who can't uh, move the controller in the way needed in the fast enough time with the normal controllers to play Dark Souls 3 or Elden Ring. Okay, well, what if we give them a piece of hardware that is leveraged to where it can help make up for those deficiencies? Then can they play Elden Ring in its current state without a difficulty setting? And is that better than making the game easier for them? I don't genuinely know the answer. I, I, my current viewpoint is it would be better to still let them play the same game, but with controllers and tools that allow them to overcome that challenge. But maybe I'm off. Like you said, Chris, it's very easy to think of things through your own lens when you don't mm-hmm. use and or need those things. Yeah, um, It's been so interesting. There's a, there's a really balance between listening to people who have those issues and also thinking about it from a logical standpoint.
1: Absolutely. It's it's certainly been eye opening playing some things with Sadie and then being like, Oh wow, I really have to pay a lot more attention to what I'm gonna put on the Xbox when I give it to her. Strictly because I, now I look at it and I'm like she she probably can't play Fallout Three, which is devastating for me. But she probably can't play it. Oh, that green filter, the piss green filter, you yeah. think it'll catch her? Yeah, I mean it's the same color as the Outlast thing.
0: Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. You're right. Night vision is a is a green piss green filter. Yeah, and she she can't see it. So best case scenario, I
1: change the color of the Pip Boy and hope it works. But then, is Vats and all green? I've only played it in green because I can see it, you know. But she can't <laughs> can't play Vampire Survivors. Like there's a lot. Hell, probably can't even play Oblivion. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's all green Maybe. landscape. So it's it's crazy. It's like. Alright. I don't know. I don't even know. I have to go back to the drawing board. I guess she's gonna play Gears of War because
0: it's all gray. <laughs> play Mad World. Oh god, I <laughs> wish. So good. But That's interesting. Anyway, it's well, just
1: it's just been an eye opening thing to this whole conversation. That's all I can say.
0: Yeah, I understand. Uh, the Skinny Rage, uh, my boy Ryan, he asked, given the given that GT Sport on PSVR 1 was pretty much just a proof of concept, and given everything we know about PSVR 2 slash PS5 tech, how likely do you think Gran Turismo 7 PSVR 2 content will be one-to-one in terms of features? We saw pack racing during the trailer, which we did, so at least there's that even if it's not fully supported or fully featured. Um I'm going to go out on a limb here. I am a little... I'm I'm given pause that they didn't go ahead and say this, but I'm choosing to think that they didn't announce this because they wanted to be able to say it on a big stage as a big win thing. I don't think it was being held back because they were unsure if it was going to work or not. So with that in mind, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say this game is going to be as close to fully featured as makes sense given the... The limitations. Like I don't know that they're going to let you do PSVR, headset online races against people that don't have them because I'm trying to think of what your competitive advantage or disadvantage may be but maybe I, I would think it's reasonable that you can do every in-game event race, whatever it be, in VR with full features. Um, there are some questions, right? Does the resolution drop or whatever is going to happen to be able to help render this game to two screens at a higher frame rate. Is that going to impact certain things like the weather system that allows water to dry based off of where the sun is and where cars have been driving over? Is that something where the power is going to hit and they have to drop that when you're in VR? I hope not. Because if so, that means that you're not really getting a fully supported and you're just getting at least pack racing. Um, but then it starts feeling like you have to have a PSVR two mode. And I don't think that's what they want. I think Chris has said this before. To some degree, I think there's going to be a push to have games that make sense just be natively VR supported where you either have it on or you don't. But the game doesn't really care either way. It's still functioning as the game. It's just how you interact with it. And that would be ideal. So. Yeah. I know that was a question for me primarily cuz <laughs> no Gran Turismo <laughs> nothing to say. But n- no joke Ryan, I know that me and you had kind of already talked about how surprising it was that there was no GT7 and I've said it a lot of times on the show, but now that we have that support and that means we do have a racing game day one, I am I'm in there. I'm going to try it and I'm going to hope I don't get disappointed. <laughs> 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 I have landed on what I'm actually going to do cuz when we when we drove out of town my, co- my wife's car is having some issues, so we had to take my car. But my car is a stick shift, and she still doesn't know how to drive one. I've tried teaching her once. She stalled the engine out a few times and then gave up. Uh, and it was in a parking lot. There was really nothing she could hit. So what I've told her now is that since I know that that exists and we have VR support, I'm going to get a new steering wheel that has an actual anchor spot for the shifter. I already have the shifter for my wheel. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hook it up. I'm going to put her in VR in a car. Where she can't physically actually hurt, hurt, wreck, or destroy anything, she can drop. She can dump the clutch as much as she wants, and I'm going to teach her how to drive a stick using PSVR2. Okay, I like that. Plan. That's actually a really plan. good idea. I will have to tell everyone the saga of how that goes once it actually comes out. Uh, but that is where we are. Uh, so, a couple of rapid-fire news pieces. Nothing that has a lot of talk around it, but Yoshi P seems to suggest that players looking for Final Fantasy 16 to come to PC shouldn't expect it. Definitely not anytime soon if a rough translation is to be believed. Now, of course... This has the mandatory grain of salt clause. Anytime we're dealing with translations from Japan, there's a chance that things get taken out of context or get translated slightly off. So we'll see. But it seems to be that he's suggesting that the information that uh, Square originally put with the game that it would be coming to PC is not accurate and that currently there is no PC build of the game. Take that with what you will. Uh, next thing up, Silent Hill 2 fans wondering how much may change with the remake can rest easy if you are to trust developer Bloober team when they claim to be taking a, quote, very safe approach, end quote. When it comes to changes in the title, though, quote, nonetheless, we are applying adjustments to certain areas where things need modernizing. Do... To the passage of time. End quote. So Chris may have to deal with a change as fundamental as Leon being able to move while he aims. That it's son disgusting. of a bitch.
1: File. <laughs> I genuinely hope there's a gold trophy that makes you play the whole game in tank mode.
0: I, I hope to I, God. I'm still would not be surprised if there's a toggle for it. Yeah. I think it'd be pretty easy to implement, right? Yeah, If this is toggling on, anytime that you aim, you stop moving.
1: The question is how much different is the game now, you know? Like, is yeah, it possible to play it anymore without aiming and moving?
0: Okay, this is a conversation I've had recently about Final Fantasy 15 and whether or not a game is right or wrong or whether it really matters, if the game exists in such a way that you can create the scenario anyway, right? So... My argument for Final Fantasy 15 is that I ultimately if you actually describe its combat system on paper, it's it's kind of stupid. You can just hold X and as long as your thumb is depressing the X button, you are attacking. Okay. That's it. You do never if you don't let up, you'll keep attacking. The moment that you want to dodge, think of the Callisto protocol. All you do is just hold. Actually, it's easier than the Callisto. All you do is hold circle. And as long as you have circle held you will endlessly dodge fair all right now the way i played the game because i did not like that is i just used the system as it was set up but instead of holding i would tap x when i wanted to attack and i would tap circle while timing it to dodge and effectively the game played like the kingdom the, the final fantasy 13 verses. I always wanted it to be that was very Kingdom Hearts-like. Even though that's not the actual combat system, but I was able to play within the rules that were there and create that feel, even though that wasn't what it was. So, Chris. Hi. For Resident Evil 4. Yeah. Do you think you'd be willing, since you don't like that, right? You want tank controls. If there is not a toggle that you can actually put on, how about you just play, and anytime you go to aim, you stop moving. Is that, is that really awful? I don't. And is the game better, worse, or just indifferent for allowing you to do that, even if it doesn't officially make you do it? Well, but every game allows you to do that. I'm not
1: saying that I don't like it because it makes the game worse, I don't like it because it takes Resident Evil, takes part of what makes Resident Evil out. So, yeah, I, get it. I mean, my answer is straight up like, no, why would I do that? But th- my qualm comes with I would rather play Resident Evil 4 as it was, even if it makes it a little bit better. That to me is the point of a, uh, bringing it forward. But, it's a but that's my
0: argument. You can do that. And not every game allows you enough freedom to actually play it any way you want, right? Like, conversely, Resident Evil 4 does not allow you the freedom to move while you're aiming. Yeah. But but this game does because you can physically control that you don't move once you decide to aim down sights. The problem with the theory
1: is not that it's wrong. It's that it's not how... I'm not going to speak for all gamers, but it's not how I would play games. Just because Resident Evil 4 does doesn't make doesn't let you um move and shoot doesn't mean i don't try <laughs>
0: <laughs> i get what you mean is that even if you tried it it would make it harder because you would have to be thinking about the fact that you would have to completely let off the analog stick right. anytime you go to aim i couldn't Whereas have my finger in there resident evil 4 you can hold the analog stick up aim and then once you let off the aim button you keep moving forward without right. ever having to take your finger off
1: correct and you you would that would make it that I think putting that that false restriction would make the game worse. I could see Not that. letting me do it is a different thing. Cuz it's one of those things like you can't you couldn't beat something like I don't know God of War on giving God of War if you were also trying to not move while Kratos swung the axe. You know what I mean? So Of course. You wouldn't be able to play it on I think it would be hard to play it on a, on the uh on a different difficulty or on a harder difficulty with that restraint, right? It's the same thing with like Call of Duty where I go to mute my mic and I'm going to die. Like even if I get the jump on someone, if I've taken my thumb there to move it, I'm going to die. So it's the same thing with this where if I'm actively like picking my hand up so that I don't move and shoot, I'm going to end up dying because now I got to make moves, you know?
0: Yeah. I will say that while my Final Fantasy 15 is a good interesting case point for a game, it is much easier to just tap the action button to attack and then tap the dodge button when they normally make you hold it than it is to completely stop yourself from moving in an effort to preserve the version of the game you wish you were able to play. Exactly, that is, You're right. And then the question also comes into play of if you introduce that limitation on your own and you actually do go through the trouble of physically stopping yourself, at what point is the game... Did they redesign the enemies to where you need to move while you're shooting while you're aiming now because they're faster and if so can you reasonably actually play the game that way and have that fun experience because if not then like you said it's, it's kind of pointless though i do also love when people create weird rules for themselves like i'm gonna play through dead space 2 and uh if i ever get uh, if I ever get hit by one of the jump scare bodies that leans up and hits you, then I have to restart the entire game.
1: <laughs> you yeah. know, like, well that stuff's fun. That's like like a nuzlocke or whatever. Like I like that yeah, stuff. Sure. Um, I don't know. I
0: like it, but I don't do them for a reason. Ah oh, fair. That's that's completely fair. All right. We have some random questions that we're gonna wrap the show up with. Ooh. So of course thank you to everyone who sent in questions and sent in your community stake response. We appreciate you. Hopefully you enjoyed this first episode of the year. If you did let us know if you didn't let us know. Uh, we're always working to be better. I know that we've had some conversations with some of you about the show changing as Chris and I are trying to find the identity of the show sans Saul because Saul had a very different impact on the show. Um, also, as far as I'm talking to Saul, he still plans to come back and be part of episode 300. So in about 10 weeks, you'll get to see Saul's beautiful face or something. So we'll have to start talking that through. But We appreciate everybody for joining us uh, for another year of Triangle Squared. Hopefully, it's a good one. Uh, We have Josh Shoup, who says, Which game has the most realistic bathroom? He asks, rather. He wants to know. Chris, you. Your judgment. What is it? I've got two answers. The (laughs) Last of Us,
1: Silent Hill 2. Why? I'm curious. Um, The Silent Hill 2 has an incredibly photorealistic gas station bathroom. And the last of us two just just a normal bathroom for for
0: home fair p t good answer, and actually in line with mine because it's the same creator, I'm going death stranding no i have you to can actually, straight up you can straight up piss and shit, you can functionally use it, yes. Okay, and but that... To, to, don't wrong. I do understand that in that sense, I create the opportunity for the argument to be made that South Park, the Stick of Truth, and South Park, uh, the Fractured But Whole, are equally the same because you can go into any bathroom and drop a fucking turd. I get that, and that that's not super realistic. But at the same time, what's more realistic than being able to functionally use a bathroom? But hold on.
1: Because if we're talking about most realistic, I would argue Death Stranding has the least realistic bathroom. Please pray tell because a it's in the middle of his bedroom and it's a glass. It's a fogged glass like pod in the middle of his bedroom. That's you're not. I I would be willing to put like $10 in a bet that that bathroom doesn't exist anywhere in this world.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, no. I, I agree with you, but that's also because our world does not exist in any form of the world that they're dealing with. Water doesn't come down and rain time that's, onto you. No, 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 no. <laughs> now, now you're now we're now we're being we're playing with semantics here. I'm not trying to move the goalpost, but I'm trying to say that I understand what you mean. In that you would not vis- you not visually see this Nobody bathroom in would our build world that because bathroom. why would you need to in our world you don't need to. But in terms of and and that's a f- strong argument. But I'm still saying you can actually use the toilet. Right, and not but, only that, not only that, you can use the waste from that toilet in the game. Yeah, but you can't make mushrooms like that. My, my point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> actually, you can. But the the point I am making is that if we're talking about. I took the question as which game has the most realistic bathroom in which game is most true to life. And I think Death Stranding might be the worst answer.
0: Most true to life is a bathroom that you can piss and or shit in. But That's my point. If it, can, okay, no, no, no. The no, Last no, no. of Us Part Two may have a very realistic looking bathroom. Can you piss and or shit in it? No. Can you wash your face? I wouldn't know. Actually, so then, you know what you can do in Death Stranding? You can look in a mirror and fucking wash your face. Right, but you can a you can do that in Cyberpunk. And
1: you can take a shower, so that one might have that has the same I, argument, and that one's closer
0: to a real life bathroom.
1: But no, you can't no. piss
0: and shit inside. In okay, this is. I'm just gonna unless make you're the waffle same, stomping down the drain while you're in the shower. <laughs> I'm just gonna
1: make the same argument that I made for Skyrim not having a silent protagonist. <laughs> you, I, I know, dude, <laughs> because it is just the okay the existence of a toilet right implies that Joel poops in it. So I don't need to bear witness to the act of pooping in the toilet
0: for the poop to have existed, but you can't interact with a toilet. You as the person within this world that has agency cannot act upon. Okay. No, 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 no.
1: Okay. So that is my bathroom. In my house right now, more realistic than your bathroom, because I can't shit in your bathroom right now.
0: But no, I—that's that, not what I'm asking. Shit, now, because of mine. if Chris, yeah, when you I, came to my house and you were here, uh-huh, did you use my restroom? I did. Okay, so if you were to leave your house right now and fly here, drive here, teleport here with yeah. your Sony teleporter in 2027, <laughs> then you could piss and or shit in my bathroom. You can wash your face in my bathroom. Right. You will never be able to piss shit and or wash your face in the bathroom in The Last of Us 2. That's what I'm telling you. Brett. You're right. It implies that people in that world use it, but you yourself cannot act upon doing those things. So it's not very realistic.
1: I am not saying. It's
0: photorealistic, not (laughs) realistic in the sense that you can do something with
1: it. I am not saying that you can shit in The Last of Us bathroom. But I am saying that it's about the implication. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's The implication, Chris,
1: it is the imp- the imp- the implication of waste means the bathroom is just realistic. Being able to use, okay, just because I will never drive a Ford GT in my life, most likely.
0: Hmm. Cool fucking the- car, though. But the implication is that I could. Right? You could. I could. So inherently, right, this is a good... In my mind, this is a good comparison point. Uh Uh-huh. So Grand Theft Auto has their off-brand cars. They always Mm -hmm. have, right? Gran Turismo has a Ford GT. Yeah, it does. Now, if we were to go to which one is the more realistic car, one of the offshoot cars Mm -hmm. that that Grand Theft Auto has or one of the real cars that Gran Turismo has that you could objectively experience in your real life, which is the point of the word realistic. You can interact with it in the same way. So since the car in Grand Theft Auto you would never be able to interact with in real life, but what that means is that the car, even though they're both realistic in a sense, the car in Gran Turismo is inherently more realistic.
1: No, no, no. Okay. This
0: is our this is our new voice in Silent Protagonist, and I love this because this is way... He first of all Josh sent like 20 questions. Uh-huh. And I laughed cuz I thought they were I thought it was funny for him to do that. And I we was like I'm going to taking one. Yeah, exactly. so <laughs> But this is the one I chose and little did I know that this was the conversation that would come from it.
1: You should have known the two of us better. I my, The problem is here, I think I think this is going to end anticlimactically because I think we're both right. Because I would say
0: that sounds like something losers say.
1: I would say both cars are realistic. <laughs> You're not wrong, so we're just we'll continue this. The, the last 48 <laughs> minutes of this podcast is going to be this. But the reality is that both cars, both games have realistic cars. Mm-hmm. You're talking but about one realistic. is inherently more realistic. No. Because the way I'm interpreting the question is just the the toilet is not on the ceiling, right? That's the way I'm interpreting. So, The Last of Us has the most realistic bathroom because it looks like a bathroom that I would see in real life. But to your credit, Sam's bathroom is the closest to the. <laughs> I can't what I'm about to say <laughs> the actual. <laughs> the actual functional use of a bathroom Exactly. Death Stranding No, I've I've figured out the the trump card. <laughs> Death Death Stranding has the most realistic bathroom gameplay. But not the most realistic bathroom <laughs> that is the right answer the game gameplay play is just is,
0: interactiveness
1: but that doesn't make the bathroom well here, more here's realistic. the thing
0: listen my bathroom in death stranding still has all the implication that your bathroom does as well as the functional usability within right. the
1: game but yours loses points because it's in the middle of a bedroom <laughs>
0: Oh, so because it's, it's a, not photorealistic.
1: Correct. Because it's not So a, you're telling
0: me right now that if I did go into a bathroom in a video game where everything was on the ceiling but it all looked fucking amazingly realistic, photorealistic, that would be then the it least is inherently... Realistic. Because it's not built for, for human operation. Oh, really? It's not built for human operation? <laughs> Chris, I think I've caught you. <laughs> no. In a fucking no, trap, no, no, my no, boy.
1: No. no, you haven't. I, all right, listen. Very first clogged. of all,
0: t- hashtag Team Chris. Chris, hashtag... Team Brett, we have we a pollbot
1: on Discord. We're putting. I'll, I'll set up a poll in the,
0: tomorrow. Let's do it. I, and look, depending on how close the results are, we might have to come back into a special episode of Triangle Squared where we have to present our cases and we have to get an impartial third judge, and we have to hash this thing out courtroom style. It sounds like you're quitting on the argument. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm telling you is that we're going to be doing this the rest of the night if we don't I'm get a fine litigator with that. That we have another we have one more question that's actually important but go ahead the
1: all i'll say is that if you walk into the last of us bathroom me as a person i could use that bathroom if everything was on the ceiling i could not use that bathroom so for me that's not realistic if i had reverse polarity then the bathroom on the ceiling (laughs) would be the right bathroom but as i stand as a person it's not realistic As I stand as a person, it would not be realistic to see a glass box in the middle of my bedroom where I shit. But you could functionally build that, and you would be able to match what
0: your character in game could do in real life. A hundred percent. Ergo realistic.
1: It's less realistic. It's the same argument as that, yes, the Red Sox could sign every player in existence, but it's not realistic.
0: Okay, listen. You could you could piss on your TV screen while a vision uh, while on the screen is nothing but the Last of Us Two's bathroom. Uh-huh. But is it going to functionally act as a bathroom in that instance? That's a bad argument because neither <laughs> with the Death Stranding one. I made the Trump, <laughs> the, the Trump I, I, argument. The Trump argument. I'm telling you is
1: that Death Stranding. I caught
0: you in one. i, I I'm No, won this.
1: because Death Stranding has immaculate poop gameplay, <laughs> but it does not have an immaculate place to poop.
0: Also, I just want everyone to know the South Park Stick of Truth and uh, Fractured butt hole gameplay where you have to rotate the poop out of your butt and then push the analog sticks together to pinch it off is top notch.
1: <laughs> top what notch. it sounds like to me is that South Park wins. Has the most realistic... <laughs> <laughs> because, because if we're looking at both arguments, it's a usable bathroom, and you can piss and shit
0: in that toilet. <laughs> Bam! I think we're right. So, we have come to an agreement, Chris. Trying to shake on that virtually? 2023
1: bathroom of the
0: year is South <laughs> Carson <laughs> Next question. Savoy yep. Prime comes back with one more question. He says. Do you think, because you were talking about the year being slow, right, from first-party games, but maybe it's not <laughs> slow in other areas. Do you think Sony will announce any acquisitions this year or all that is on ice until this Activision Blizzard mess is over? I remember Jim Ryan saying more were on the way after the last acquisitions, but there's been nothing but crickets since. What do you make of this, Chris? No. There, well, again, there's two
1: arguments, right? Because it depends on, I guess in my world, I'm thinking about this more in baseball terms, right? You go into the offseason with a plan, right? If you're the Red Sox, you know you need a shortstop, you need a second base, you need pitching. Right. And that's what you go to the offseason to get. I don't know if that same thing would apply in games, right? Does Jim Ryan have a whiteboard? Do Jim and Herman have a whiteboard in their office that says C D project red, uh, high noon, you know, motion twin. CD, you know, all, all these different studio names as these are what we're going for, this is why, and this is how we're going to do it, or does it benefit Sony to say, we're going to wait until this is over to see if it gets put through, because if it gets put through, this 63000000000 billion we've got earmarked, we're giving it to take two. Right? Like, you could look at it either way. If Sony has a plan, I think there's every chance we could see an announcement. If Sony... Is just looking at who's willing to be sold and just making offers. And hey, CD Projekt Red accepted our, our offer; we bought them. It, it, it depends on which way they're going, right? Do they have a plan, or are they just waiting to see? If they're waiting to see, it behooves them to just wait because if Activision Blizzard goes through, anything will go through. I hope that made that made sense. I think
0: I it makes sense, it. even though I still think it remains to be seen on whether anything will go through or not. Well, have to, I am very curious. I am. I am oh, not saying you were wrong. I just genuinely don't know how this going through does impact M&A. Because you have to think about
1: this, right? This, is, this but I get is, your point. If this is probably that big the biggest. Through, that's what I'm saying. This is the biggest possible purchase, right? Yeah. So if it goes through, then I feel like everything below this threshold goes through.
0: Now, the only reason I still may think that is, In in specifics to Microsoft, is that Mm -hmm. Microsoft is already getting looked at here under view of Monopoly, right? Oh, yeah. Even after this happens, at some point, if Microsoft continues to buy enough small developers and small publishers and slowly eat away, you still get them closer and closer to a Monopoly as they buy up more and more of the existing Mm industry industry. Even if new industry could come, the whole point of this is to try and stop a monopoly from existing, even for a few years, if you can keep from it. Right. And so, at what point, after this goes through, maybe Sony can get away with a lot more because now they're diversifying and you're you're breaking it up. But now, if Microsoft comes to the table and says we want to spend uh, eight billion on this developer and this developer and they're all their IP, now that's of course made up situation, made up number. But at what point is it? Does it? Do they go? You have too much already. We have to back off.
1: Then I should be clear on my argument. My argument in terms of that is specifically for Sony. Okay. Because I think the precedent precedent that's been set right now is that you can buy a Bethesda-level publisher and a Activision-level publisher, and they'll let it go. On top of whatever the the eight studios they bought before that with Obsidian and Exile. So you can do all of that. And Sony's not close to that. Sony yeah, I agree could, there. has a lot more leeway, you know, than Microsoft does. And to be to be quite frank, I also don't think Microsoft going, "Hey, we're buying a Sobo," would would be looked at. But Microsoft isn't buying Sega after this. <laughs> Probably not. At least <laughs> that's 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 more where I'm coming from. I don't think you no. know it's going to, whichever way it goes, I think sets a precedent. But I still think Sony, regardless, can do what they want for a while. But it's going to set a, once Sony starts buying publishers, they'll have an
0: issue. American ones, anyway. Yeah, I could see that. Maybe. Right? Like, not to say Sony even has the ability, the means, or the money to do so. But let's say Sony's reaction after this goes through is that they do want to buy Take-Two. hmm What happens? They'd, what does that look like? They set the precedent. They, they would have to go through. You would think.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Because there's no way Take-Two is more than $69 billion, and $69 billion was fine. On yeah. top of owning. But Bethesda. just to
0: that end, it is worth noting that these are as educated a guesses as me and your current understanding of all these things is. Sure. There is probably someone out there listening to this who knows a little bit more and thinks, ah, this is short sighted. This is not accounting for this. That's always true. Tell um, us. I want to know. <laughs> yeah, me too. This is like my whole part of doing the podcast is finding opportunities to learn something different. Right. And, and that's actually why I love the community's take is it is a chance occasionally when we come up with something or have a question, that's really there for people to really push back against us and give us new information or at least new perspectives that can help me change the way I'm viewing something or learn something about something I didn't already know. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a, that's fun. Uh, but to that end, um, I guess my answer on this is I, I really like your answer I see it both ways um, I have a sneaking suspicion that Sony will try and minimize announcing any of this if they can if any of these deals can be held to actually be announced and, and took forward I'm pretty sure they could work and be like listen hey you know we we are essentially aiming to buy you but well timing is is, is of the of, of the essence but I also that's you know that's if that is kosher within a business environment and whether or not they can really do that or if that comes into creating opportunity for insider trading and is that why they tried not to let people do that because the moment you start saying about things you plan on doing, if it runs the chance of getting out, people can try and use that to their benefit. Mm-hmm. All things I don't fully understand. I understand them to a degree. but Well, you have
1: to... I mean, I guess if, if you remember what happened with Housemark, they can hold it right or at least we, it, from from what i
0: understood they could as well
1: well think about it right we knew Mark had been bought by sony for what six months before they got bought because they leaked it themselves <laughs> true so they true. held it for that long oh, so, if
0: nothing else there was clearly the intention they had made that graphic meaning that as far as they were concerned it was going to happen yeah sure it
1: might not have closed before then you're right
0: and actually, was it House Mark? I thought that was Blue Point.
1: I thought You're it was right. the opposite. it was Blue Point. When they apologies. bought House
0: Mark, they, they accidentally put Point. the Blue Point graphic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because Blue Point put in their bio, We are an independent studio. <laughs> Super funny. But I guess that goes to show you the inner politics of that and how they clearly aren't allowed to just say, Yeah, because of different aspects. Now, they were a, an independent, privately held company, they didn't have a shareholders. Yeah. So it really does make you wonder, why couldn't they have just been like, yeah, we're getting bought. <laughs> that, but either way, you don't, to, you don't want to say that when Sony's clearly trying to hold it close to Because
1: Sony's a chest. public customer, too.
0: Pu- Sony's exactly. a public company. Yep. All right. Well, with that in mind, we come to the community's take question. Yes. And now, of course, there's plenty of things within this episode that we could have pointed at. But with this being the first episode of the year... And a lot of people doing things like looking back and trying to be self-reflective, figuring out if there are resolutions that they want to set and try and maintain and keep. I thought it would be really fun if we go through and think about throughout our entire lives. It doesn't have to be within the last year. Games often teach us lessons that we can keep with us and use throughout our day-to-day lives. So what is one lesson that you feel like you've learned from a game at some point in your life. And if you're comfortable, share what the game is, why, and why you feel like it's an important lesson. Um, and I have one that I often mention, but I am going to save it to be part of what's going on with you guys uh, next week. And Chris, that gives you a little bit of time to think about one that you want to go with. Uh, games mean a lot to a lot of different people. And sometimes you just got to think a little bit, and you'll realize that there was some people – subconsciously pick up things from games and and lessons that they carry on without even having to think about it. So I'm interested to have you guys really think about it and uh, offer up what you feel like that lesson is. Who knows? Maybe you could put that game and that lesson on someone else's radar. So Chris, I guess I should ask, do you agree with that? Do you think that's a good one? I like it. Let's do it. All right. Sounds good. I want to rock. Uh, With that, in mind remember to throw out your votes for hashtag team brett hashtag team chris uh i know that we technically landed on south park but at this point there's just that burning curiosity of if we only had two games to choose from my hypothetical death stranding and his hypothetical last of us to bathroom which one were you leaning on uh we'll see chris Mm. we'll see You've already bought me naughty bear, so I mean we're not going to put anything on the line here. This is just for straight g- glory.
1: <laughs> can, can we get a tag on Discord called the the
0: poop master? Oh yeah, let's we'll <laughs> see if I can make a uh, if I can make a specific role. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, how him, about yeah. this? If you're a listener and you have a better argument for a better bathroom, you can win the poop master role. <laughs> I'm going to pitch you something after this show. It's a badge of honor. It's a but shit. all right, Chris. Thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. Uh we'll we'll see all of you or You'll hear us, I guess, uh, next week, whenever hopefully you come back for another episode. Remember, share the show with your friends. If you think it's something that they would like uh, from either the dumb conversations that we have or the more serious conversations that we have, we would love to get into more ears and have more people interact with the show. Like many of you recently have, uh, I think a good chunk of you came in from whenever I guested on um, The Trophy Room. And conversely, whenever um, Joe came over here and and guest... Uh, filled in for Chris so we appreciate you who have came over we're glad you like the show uh, those are good dudes I really liked being on their show so Chris maybe you can finally get a time to go and be on their show and <laughs> uh, balance things out and then we can eventually get uh, <laughs> Kyle on this show but until then this has been Triangle Square at PlayStation podcast bidding you do reminding you to head over to patreon.com slash nartech give as little as a dollar per month just like our friends Savoy Prime Alex, Barry Rogers, Stingray X, It's a Sin to Win, AKA Sean, Aztec King, Leechion69, The Lord Corgi, Salvador Garcia, Ham and Egger, Bailey Robertson, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Rude Days93, Kevin Bacon Bits, Christopher, Danny Villiobos, Jehudi MD, No Fate, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Donovan Williams, Constantly Kenny, Matthew Green, Sean Santarude, Steven Salazar. Thanks to each and every one of you. See you next week.